Hello and welcome to the Winging It podcast, episode 32, uh, traveling with Adam and Stephanie Kupka. They are the owners of the travel blog Road Unraveled, and they currently have a, a great website on the go, as well as their Instagram pages too. And also they are from the US, um, living in Washington, DC. So welcome to the show. How are you both doing? We are great. Oh, Thank great. you yeah. so much for having us. We're so excited to be here today. I'm really excited because you traveled to 70 countries between you, right? <laughs> well, yes, we have. <laughs> and there's a lot of countries that not really been discussed so far on my podcast. So I want to get some of your experiences that maybe have not been discussed so far. Absolutely. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, we're yeah, excited. Wonderful. <laughs> Brilliant. So you're, you're based in the US. Um, I, was doing, I was doing a bit of research on your website and you're kind of, your niche, should I say, is something about this is quite unique for me because I'm from Europe. So in yes. Europe, loads of, loads of holiday time or vacation time. It's about five to six weeks, general and average, that you get a year. But I kind of got a sense from your website about the About Us page that you're trying to encourage maybe some federal Americans to use their vacation time. Is that fair to say that's your kind of aim? It absolutely is. Yeah, that's definitely one of our goals. Yeah. To we... try to like differentiate it, I guess, from the, the usual travel blogs. Yeah, and a lot of it really does stem from a couple of different challenges in the U.S. One is certainly vacation time itself. Okay. Many organizations provide a, a few less than perhaps you get in, in Europe, usually on the order of perhaps two to three weeks mm -hmm. of paid time off. And of course, there are many positions that don't offer paid time off at all. They're hourly positions. So yes. that of course, there's no benefit there necessarily. But there are kind of two factors, one being the number of weeks you might get, the other being a culture in the U.S. of not taking the time that you do get. Yeah. And one of the reasons that we started Road Unraveled really stemmed from experiences that I had had in the workforce, where uh, I actually have had a couple of jobs where I've had a decent amount of vacation time, anywhere between four and six weeks, a little nice. bit more familiar to yeah. you, maybe. Yeah. But the challenge I've had is managers who have said, we'd really rather you not take the time off. Oh, wow. The idea being that if you have work to do, you should be in the office to do it. You don't need to take a week or two to go off and do anything else. And that really kind of hit a chord for both of us. We weren't really comfortable with the idea that you would get vacation time and not be able to use it. A big reason for that, of course, is there are so many benefits that come from taking that time off. And in fact, that's something we've been more it, it kind of into exploring over the last couple of years as far as how people who take vacation can actually benefit their organizations in new ways Absolutely. as they're learning new skills that they're able oh, yeah. to bring back on the job. The type of things you can learn when you're, when you're faced with things that are not the usual tasks and the usual experiences mm -hmm. on the road from travel, um, there's just so many things you can learn that you can apply to your daily uh, work life as well in the office. So it, it really benefits everyone on both sides of the employer employee uh, spectrum there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like uh, I'm just thinking back to what you said, Stephanie, about, um, so I say, so okay, based in the UK, we, we kind of think Americans don't really want to take time off because it's kind of like you're quite new. It's all about the American dream. You got to work mm -hmm. to make everything better. And it's like, why should you want time off? Cause it's all about, progressing the country and whatever your job is but I've never really heard managers say to you ah you got time off paid it's it's legal you, you land off but don't take mm -hmm. it because you should be doing some work that's mental like I've never oh yeah it's like really a heard that before. 
Yeah, it's like yeah. passive aggressive kind of approach sometimes. Um, obviously, on a case by case basis, it's different. Cool. But yeah, we certainly heard some stories from people like because uh, we do a lot of small tours when we travel, like small group tours, you know, yeah. 10 to 15 people. And uh, every now and then we'll run into fellow Americans on the road and we'll kind of share stories and stuff like that. And we've heard a lot of that. And that's kind of one of the things that sparked the idea for us mm. was like, yeah, this is uh, this is pretty common. We're experiencing this story about, you know, people having the guilt trip experience of, you know, wanting to actually use their vacation time to do something like that. So kind of inspired us to kind of get the ball rolling on that. Yeah. Yeah. Our story is very common. And I think a lot of Americans really do want to use that time off and they may yeah. want to use it for travel. They may mm -hmm. like to use it just to spend more time with their families. In the US, it's, it could even be traveling to see your family. I mean, there's course, a lot yeah. of ways to use the time, but there is very much a culture of not using it. There's the idea that if you are showing up to work every day, you almost become a martyr in a way. And we celebrate that in the American workforce. Now, I think some of that is changing a little bit and some so. of it changing faster than we thought because of the pandemic. But yes. really, it, a lot of it stems from the idea that many corporate cultures would really rather see you at your desk working and making the company productive rather than allowing you to take that time off, even if it's a benefit that you have access to. Yeah, I can't get my head around this. Mm -mm. No, <laughs> we, we couldn't either. <laughs> if, if you don't take time off, you're never going to switch off, right? So you, you put in uh -oh. five years of solid work. Exactly. Yeah. And let's say you just get, it's a restructure and you get let go. Like they'll drop you, that, that, you know, just like that. And it, the, all that hard work kind of means, unless you're working for yourself or you're self-employed or join company, you'll just get dropped in a hat and it's like, oh yeah, thanks for that. We'll see you later. And that's, that's you, right. Then, then you think about going, oh, that was worth it then. <laughs> and, and that's Pretty just much, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to learn when you are traveling and some of the situations that you find yourself in will teach you lessons that immediately can translate to what you need to do on the job. In fact, we had a situation that I think of quite a bit. Uh, we were actually traveling through Israel at the time. Yeah. And we had a tour that we had booked. Well, the tour guide never showed up for us. So we were standing outside of our hotel. They're not answering their phones. We had an email address, but who knows when they were going to check their email. And we were nervous that we had this tour booked and we were never going to get a chance to see and do the things that we had planned because without the tour, how were we going to get there? So mm -hmm. we had a few options in front of us. One of them, I guess, was to just, you know, return to the hotel room or spend the day doing nothing. The other was to find a new tour, maybe mm -hmm. figure out how we might be able to still do what we plan to do. Now, we ended up getting picked up by the tour guide. They were running very, very late. But in the meantime, we had spent all of that time we had planning things. We were researching. We talked to the front desk at our hotel to ask yeah. for recommendations. And at the end of the day, what we had done is we'd advanced our ability to communicate with people. We mm -hmm. demonstrated some resilience. I mean, this was a challenging yeah, situation. And so we kind of rose to the occasion. We had figured out alternatives. I mean, we we had really taken a bad situation and started to develop some skills from that. Getting back to the office the following week when faced with a situation where something we expected to happen wasn't happening, where did I pull from? I, I pulled from all those brand new skills mm. that I had worked on on vacation. It was just an immediate transfer. And I think many of us have that opportunity when we travel to do that, but we don't always get that experience. And if we're not traveling at all, 
we're certainly not getting that experience. You've got to leave your office once in a while, experience <laughs> yeah. the world. Your horizons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'll Absolutely. make you better on the job. This is quite an interesting conversation because we've both got, um, obviously you, you do your own podcast, which we'll come to later. Yeah. Um, but in terms of your blog uh, about this mentality of using vacation time, I'm more of the, no, you should quit your job and go and do three months. That's kind of, we've got, <laughs> yeah. we've got different uh, ideas here, which are both not right or wrong. There's just two oh, different course. ways of doing it. But what's interesting is that you are pushing this like whole culture to change. And it's because people maybe don't want to go and quit their job or don't want to travel for three or six months, which is absolutely sure. fine. But just to get this out there, you both are happy in your jobs and you wouldn't quit your jobs. This is what I've got from your website is that you're very settled in that and you just want to use your <laughs> vacation allowance. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and absolutely. Yes. You know, it's <laughs> very happy with our jobs. <laughs> it, it's kind of even gone a step further. Uh, you were talking, for example, if you're self-employed, you may not get vacation time. I am self-employed now. I actually started my consulting company a couple of oh, years nice. ago. I'm my own boss. I, I don't have any employees. I simply get to do work that is meaningful and fun for me. I have no desire to stop doing that at all. Mm. I absolutely right. But at the same time, a part of that is because I also want to be able to travel as I, I'd like to do. If I want to leave and you know perhaps live somewhere else for a month or six months, I want to keep my day job. I still want to work, but I might choose to do that from a place that is not my home. And right. so that too becomes an opportunity to expand your lifestyle. And again, get some of those great opportunities and find yourself in new situations and encourage that personal growth that really only comes from travel. Yes. And I think I totally agree because my message on this podcast that I've started this year is doing a job you hate unsustainable because oh, it, it just be, it make you miserable and it, you might want to travel. I mean, arguably for me, I've done jobs I don't particularly like. So am I really sustainable that I do one job for a year, quit and go for six months? Like mm -hmm. in the long term, not sustainable because you get older yeah. and responsibilities. So sure. the key for me is a bit like yourself, Stephanie, is to find something that I like doing. Yeah. And if you're self-employed and you want to take a month off, so be it. Or you want to go and live somewhere for a month. Uh, I don't know, South America, for example, and do a yeah. month's work there. Absolutely fine as well. So that's kind of like a modern thing coming in now where because of covid people start to realize oh hang on a minute i can i can do work from home yeah, and then that means exactly. if i can travel again i don't have to be at home i can go mexico or wherever right so you you can go for longer you can go yeah. to different places the world in a way closed down so much during the pandemic and i know we're still reopening we're a ways away from being back to where we were yes. when borders were open and travel was very easy but i think our mindset have changed and yes. what it means to live somewhere and work somewhere and do something is different than it was. And I think that can only be good for us because it only encourages us to think a little bit more creatively about what we'd like to be doing and where we'd like to be when we do it and give ourselves these, the, the permission perhaps, or the opportunities to be able to experience life in a way that is really going to mean something to us and allow us to do meaningful things for other people. Yeah, I think this collectiveness of coming to help people has definitely yes. come to yeah. the fore um, that I've experienced. That really uh, is. I'm, in, I'm in Vancouver and Canada, so uh, we've kind of, I don't think we've had it as bad here as maybe you guys have had it or even in Europe. So yeah, we have had lockdown, but I don't think it's quite as extreme as you guys, but it still has <laughs> changed mentalities, I think, um, in, oh, in the workplace, yeah. but in, in socially as well. Yeah. 
Oh, completely true. So based on that, I'm going to move to your 70 countries. We're not going to get through all of them, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I really want to find out um, some trips that you've both done and just get your experiences um, to my listeners because I'm all for new experiences. I, I've also got this thing about, you probably guys would agree that if you're going on holiday to the same place or the same type of place, it's not really out there, is it? It's not a new experience. You might gain some yep. uh, life skills, but if you're going to Italy on you know Lake Como every year, yeah, it's sure. brilliant, but it's not like going to Bolivia and experiencing a different culture, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we've, I mean, it's absolutely fine if you like to do like a, a yearly trek to the same place as a tradition like we totally get that but yeah it's like it's like you said you learn new things when you go to new places and you try new things and you see see new environments and so we kind of you know any travel is good travel but uh we would prefer <laughs> that you know it's a big world out there so yes yeah, options like go for it you know and um, that leads me quite nicely onto your trip to antarctica Ah. <laughs> I was I was looking for your website. I was like, right, where have they been? Because you've got this map on your website where it's like shaded in yeah. countries and continents. I was like, no way, they've gone to Antarctica. Oh yeah, yeah that map like, didn't have the little Antarctica part on it. So yeah, I know. Yeah, I, mean, I read it. Put it in there. <laughs> so yeah, just first of all, how on earth did you even book this trip? Like, was it a, a fixed tour, or um, just talk me through booking it and and how you get to that point of going to Antarctica? Yeah, you know, it was a trip that was 18 months in the making, believe wow. it or not. <laughs> so we actually, we'd had it on our list for a really long time. And the way that I think many people who love to travel do, the seventh continent is always the, you know, I mean, it's the exciting one. Everyone wants to go. And mm. we had really wanted to find a way to make it happen. I had been on a number of lists for various uh, travel agencies and things like that. Sure enough, one afternoon, I was scanning through my email and I saw a price that just didn't seem right. <laughs> it was low enough where I thought there's no way that this is a real price. And it was for a 10-day trip to Antarctica 18 months later. It was uh, December of 2017. Months. Wow. It's so, quite far in advance. Yeah, it, speaking it is. of, uh, you know, trying to balance your work schedule with vacation time, like that was... 18 months is a long time. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot happen. that can happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot can happen. I mean, COVID aside, think about all the stuff that changes in someone's life. Yeah, yeah. In 18 months in general. So <laughs> Yeah, so I ended up calling the agency to see whether or not it was a real price. And they put me on hold and they came back and this very nice lady said, I've never seen a price this low either, but this is a real price. And so I said, do you take credit card? <laughs> she <laughs> said, yeah, no problem. And I booked it and I went, down. So Adam works from home as well. I was home at the time too. And I went into his office and I said, what are the odds you'd be able to get some vacation time next winter to go to Antarctica? <laughs> and he said, well, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I said, what would you do if I said, we booked the trip? <laughs> and he yeah. said, I would probably just quit my job. My boss said, no, I mean, Antarctica, we're going, oh my gosh. And so sure enough, we did. That's how far in advance we booked. And it was mostly because we got a phenomenal price. Mm -hmm. Antarctica tends to be a very expensive destination. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Not the least of which is that there isn't really capacity for everyone who would want to go there in okay. a given year. Yeah. Part of that. I, I think is really along the lines of there are only so many ships 
that go there. There are also sort of governing structures and procedures and things for allowing tourists to go to Antarctica. Yeah, even like allowing how many people can set foot on the continent, things like that. Yeah, even yeah. even at a given time, yeah. actually. And they want to preserve the continent. So there are a lot of things that you go through even when you're there to make sure you're not taking any sort of a foreign substance onto the ice. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And makes sense. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it. And I think that's a reason why the price is always going to be high for something like that. But when we found a price that we kind of couldn't believe, we booked the trip. So it was a 10-day yeah, <laughs> adventure. Uh, flew into Ushuaia, which, you know, the southernmost point of Argentina. Argentina yeah. Yeah, and we took a boat from there. So I want to say that we had a set itinerary, but one of the first things that they tell you when you're on the boat is that there's no such thing as a set itinerary. In fact, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I still remember to this day, we had, you know, everybody, it was the, the first evening, everybody is together in an auditorium. We had just gone through uh, some of the drills, the mandatory safety drills for, you know, what we would be doing on the boat in case there were an emergency. And I remember one of the, the people in charge, the expedition leader or something said, how many of you received an itinerary with all of your confirmation documents? And of course, no one's hand went up. Yeah. And he said, the reason for that is because we don't know what we're doing this week. And <laughs> <laughs> what he meant by that is two things. One, there's a lot that goes into it. So we were kind of at the mercy of the weather where the ice was, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether or not we could go to some of the places that we'd like to go. The other component of that is the flexibility in interesting things happening and us being able to take advantage of them. It, this is to this day, probably one of my favorite travel memories on the way back. So we had done our, almost the entire itinerary we had seen everything. We had stepped on the ice. We went camping on the ice. I mean, we'd done it all. Mm -hmm. On the way back, the boat stops and there's an announcement. We've got some whales outside. So if you want to see some whales, come on out. <laughs> I got to tell you, I didn't go out at first. We'd seen some whales on the yeah. trip. And I don't want to see if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Cause I, I don't mean <laughs> that at all. But what I do mean is that I wasn't going to go out to see one more. And about five minutes later, they came on and they said, if you're not out here, you need to be. Yeah. <laughs> and we went out, there were what, maybe 30 or 40 whales that were migrating back from the coast of Chile to Antarctica because the waters were getting warmer. Yeah. And we had the opportunity to watch as they were swimming by, as they were diving down for food and coming back up. We saw a group of a pod, I guess, of killer whales. Yeah, oh, they showed dream. up. They yeah. showed up as well. I've yeah. <laughs> and this is the sort of thing you cannot plan for, but you must be prepared for. And when they said this is the flexibility that we are looking for in our, yeah. our journey, yeah, that's what they were talking about. No trip to Antarctica will ever be the same twice. So just so worth the expense, the time, just an incredible, incredible experience. And also, really, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, now as I can say, like, for an itinerary, I, I don't even know what that even entails. I mean, when you get to Antarctica in terms of the ice, I mean, it, you just go to yeah, they have like areas. A, they have like a vague idea of where they want to go, but sometimes yeah. like the weather can impact if they can get the boat there, or um, just other other factors come into play that kind of impact where they can actually land or or, or where the boat's going, but. Uh, yeah, we were very fortunate to get some video of that, of that, some of those whale things. So that was, that's, that's incredible, incredible, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. And one thing that was interesting when, I mean, there were not a lot of people on our boat, I would say what, maybe 250 or so, maybe not that many, it might've been under 200. It was a really small group mm-hmm. and what they would do, uh, they couldn't have all of us on the ice at once. They were more of us than were allowed. So typically half of us would get into Zodiac. So these, you know, rubber boats basically, and we'd explore the area and that's where we saw seals and penguins and all mm-hmm. kinds of things. The other half of us would get to go on land. And of course, at some point we would switch. So every day, usually we'd try to make at least one landing, some days two, and some days none. Um, I think only one day did we miss the opportunity to land because of things like weather, but they made up for it the next day by trying to get us a little bit more time on the ice. But that's what they would do. They would look for landing spots and let us, you know, actually, you know, in most cases we'd have somewhere between 60 and 90 minutes to explore on our own. And there was no set itinerary on the ice. I mean, they would kind of point out interesting things as we went, or Mm -hmm. if they noticed that there were penguins in one part of the island of the ice, they'd send us over to see those. But for the most part, it was just, you're here, go and see things and take your photos and take those selfies. And more than anything, they encouraged us to really just pause and soak it in, just experience it the way we want to because you may not make it back there again. So every landing was very different than the last. Is it also um, kind of divided by countries? I know like certain countries claim part of Antarctica, right? Is that, is that a problem when you go on these tours or is it just for tourism, it's okay, you can go anywhere? For tourism, it's fine. And you're right, there are bases and many of the mm. bases are away from where the tourists go. Oh, okay, right. So there are a handful that are organized by countries. We actually didn't have a chance to make it to those. And again, it was because of the weather. Yeah. But most of the research bases are a bit further away from where we were. So we didn't interrupt them in any way. I don't think mm-hmm. that there were any restrictions that we faced. And of course, the tour organizers will take care of all of that in advance. Yeah. If there is a chance to be able to make it to one of the bases, they work that out. There was you. there was actually an incredible uh, little uh, surprise for everyone when we did land. Was it the Argentina base? I guess it was. It was uh, like there brown, was base. brown base. Brown base. Brown um, base. There was a wedding on the boat, and they oh. actually <laughs> wow. took everybody out onto the continent and up on a hill in, in the snow, and they had the full on wedding uh, right there. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. On, on the continent so that was that was a surprise because nobody on the nobody on the ship was told about this Mm-mm. in advance yeah yeah obviously they had a wedding party it was small but uh yeah we were like wow there's an actual wedding on Antarctica. there can't be right too now. many people in the world who i know right <laughs> like, i got married that's, at antarctica it's incredible it so yeah they were out there full on you know wedding wedding gear and it good was good party beautiful. after too yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. i don't say so. <laughs> yeah a surprise real basic question uh, did yeah. you stay on the boat or did you tent on the ice? Or was it one mixed? night? One night yep. we got a chance to camp on the, and on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh that yeah. Was, it was incredible. Yeah. We, uh, they send you out, uh, you get some decent camping gear, yeah. but the process itself is actually kind of entertaining because <laughs> you, you go out and it's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's ice and snow. And so they tell you that in order to stay warm, I mean, they've given you a sleeping bag and some sleeping bag liners and things like that. But then they tell you that in order to make sure that you don't really feel the wind as much, you should dig a trench. (laughs) So you get 30 people who are more or less, it looks like we're we're digging our own graves. Everybody's just digging trenches. And then of course, in the morning when you leave, 
you know, you have to kind of uh, fill it all back in as, as well as you can. Sure. You don't want to leave yeah. a trace and things like that. But the problem is overnight it freezes. So then it turns <laughs> into ice and people are trying to like break, you know, the, the snow that they dug out the night before that's now ice. And um, there was a lot of uh, people that didn't have shovels and they were using like the heel of their boot. Of course. Yes. Things yeah. like that. And it wasn't working. And it was, uh, it was an interesting experience. But, yeah, that was, <laughs> it that was, was incredible. It was. And we did get a really fun wake up call. It was maybe 30 minutes or so before we would have needed to be up anyway. Mm-hmm. I had not slept as well as I could have. And it wasn't the cold. It was the excitement of that just... Yeah. It's hard to sleep when you know that you should be sleeping on the ice in Antarctica. <laughs> and so I hear some footsteps coming down over the hill and I figured it was fellow campers or something. And all of a sudden I hear something that sounds kind of like a foghorn. And I kind of peek out over my sleeping bag and it's a penguin just oh. standing next to me. And he looks at me and I look at him and he continues onto the water and I'm like, all right, I guess it's time to get up. (laughs) And that was was my alarm clock. I got, yeah, woken up by a penguin on the ice. It was fantastic. It was everything I wanted. It's worth every penny if you can go. It is definitely expensive. You know, you can't really sugarcoat that, but it is worth it. If you, if you enjoy travel, that is the bucket list experience for sure. It is. And do you think you'll go back or do you think you'll leave it as that? Oh, I, w- I would love to. We'll be back. Um, there's oh, so yeah. a lot more scenes. Like, we didn't see, like, was it the King Emperor penguins, the mm-hmm. big giant ones? We didn't yeah. see those. And, uh, but yeah, there's a lot more to see for sure. Yeah, we'd like to do one of the extended cruises at some point. Yeah. So ours okay. is 10 days. And I think you can go, some of them go as long, I believe, as three weeks. Yeah. Oh, wow. We'd love to do something like that. In fact, it, it's something we would plan on as we have a little more flexibility. Yes. So it's just, it, it's worth it. I think if you can go even once, it is certainly a bucket list item checked mm-hmm. off. But I, I always remember what they told us, every trip you take to Antarctica will be different. And mm-hmm. so for me, I actually think we'd approach it with the same enthusiasm as we did the first trip. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. And, yeah. and one, one last question to finish off, just in my mind. Uh, the season you're going in would be the winter of the South hemisphere or northern hemisphere it would be the winter of the northern hemisphere so yeah. that's going to their summer that's right yeah, and so that's we're because there like in the middle of december is when we went down and the days yeah. are long right the days oh, oh yeah. they are the yeah, sun didn't much. go down for us most of yeah. the trip yeah. and yeah the reason for that is it's the only time that the ice melts enough to get a boat through yep. so yeah right. you're limited really from end of november through i believe as late as the end of march but the time to go is generally December, January, if you can. It's a lot of peak wildlife. You're going to see uh, penguins. Certainly, we, I, I don't think I could tell you the number of penguins we saw. <laughs> um, but you, you get a chance to really experience it in different ways. But again, every point that you would go is different. If you were to go mm-hmm. in November and March, completely different experiences yeah. and both would be worth it. Okay, that's great. That's a great little clip of Antarctica there. That's yeah. so unique. Um, oh, I'm so gonna... worth it. I'm going to move on to a little bit further north to Uruguay. Ah, <laughs> uh, pe- same People are going like, why Uruguay? Now, Uruguay is on my list, like oh, immediate good. list. It should be. It's incredible. Um, and I don't know much about it um, because I've been to South America, but I did not even entertain Uruguay. Um, but what is the fascination with you guys in terms of going there? What, what caused you to go there? <laughs> uh, well, part of it was we had flown into Argentina for the Antarctica trip. And yeah. um, 
you know, in uh, Buenos Aires, and it's not that far from there. You can take uh, what like a, a ferry across the Bouquet bus. Yeah, yeah, okay. and, um, ferry. And then you know, we do a day trip over there, and we actually, I think we spent what two days there. We were there, I think, for three days yeah. on that trip. But um, we and did it was like a full day. Um, so we do a lot of wine travel with a lot of wine tours and wine regions, mm-hmm. and they have a fantastic wine region there. Um, if you like red wines, there's a there's a the, the national grape is Tanat. Mm-hmm. and um, okay. we just fell in love with that and i went to some wineries and enjoyed that the, the food is incredible they have a uh what is it it's chivito the it's sandwich. like an incredible sandwich there <laughs> uh, we love that uh-huh. i never had that before um even in dc this is like a very international area up here with a lot of options i've yeah. never seen that on a menu in no, there. i've never heard that um, yeah yeah it's incredible and uh but the, but there's so much in the city too i mean it's just a really fascinating place there's a lot of history there um it was a really fun place to visit yeah, the culture is very, it, it's just a very welcoming, very open city. Yeah. We really loved Montevideo. We thought it was, it's beautiful, it's clean, great food, great wine, very mm-hmm. easy to navigate. We also were there primarily for some wine tourism. And that got us away from the city and out into some of the smaller towns. It was still a little bit suburban, but you're mm-hmm. getting into more of the, I think more of the traditional day-to-day life. And one of the things that we really enjoyed, we went to one winery figuring it would just be a wine tasting, but instead we were sort of welcomed into their home. Oh, it's so, so welcoming and everybody was so friendly. They made empanadas for us, you know, fresh out of the oven. There's something about being able to sort of sit around a table with someone and enjoy a good meal and a nice glass of wine mm-hmm. and just have a great conversation. It turns strangers into friends. Yeah. yeah. And that trip for me is what I think that's what I took away from my experience in Uruguay. It was the just people wanting to get to know you and welcome you and do what they could to make you feel as though you were very much a part of the experience while you were there. That was really what it felt like to be there. It's a wonderful country. It's just, it's very easy to travel through. I found more than anything, though, it was the people who made Uruguay very special. Aren't they quite progressive as a nation? They've got some progressive um, laws, right? They're quite, they are settled as democracy and they're quite pushing like some good laws out there, like equality and stuff like that. They really are there and they're very open about talking about that. Mm -hmm. Um, They do a lot for people who are even visiting. Uh, I remember at one point someone mentioning if someone were to, you know, say break a bone while they were there and need medical treatment, that, you know, it's very easy to seek that and they they're Mm -hmm. looking for ways to be, you know, very accessible to people. They make it fairly easy to travel there. I believe they make it fairly easy for people, some people to be able to stay there longer term. And, you know, certainly uh, for anyone who's thinking about longer term travel, it's a nice place to launch from, especially if South America is of interest, because it's so well connected to Buenos Aires. It's really close. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can you can get anywhere you really need to by plane, but really it's very easy to navigate and it can be a very nice place to base yourself if you're thinking about doing weekends or weeks away. Mm -hmm. I think it's a it's a really important place to consider. And again, I don't know if it's the first place people think of when they're it's considering not. travel. <laughs> I <don't think> so. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're thinking of the much bigger places. Yeah. You're probably thinking Brazil, Argentina. Yeah. You might be thinking North. It's well worth the consideration. And again, they are very welcoming to people who are visiting. And I found that especially made it a really attractive place to be. 
Yeah. Okay. That's great yeah. to know because I'm definitely I definitely want to go there. There's a few things I do know about Uruguay though. They have that is that drink called is that mate or mate? Oh yes. Oh, oh, yes. That's, that's quite a that that's a cultural everywhere. thing, right? You come in and you, you have that with friends, right? That is Always. like everywhere you look, you will see one of those. Uh, it's like a little cup with usually like a straw into yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, like we saw guys with like a, like a pitcher. And it would be like in a holster on their hip. Yes. Like walking around like, well, the, the, I mean, that's how serious they are about these. You would never be without one. And apparently like it's, it wasn't, it's like a family thing. Like you make it on your own. It's not like you just go to like a Starbucks that yeah. specializes or something like that. Like they actually make it at home and it's like that serious of a thing, right? It's like. They said that you could certainly find places to try it. Yeah. But you should not consider it authentic. Yeah, exactly. Unless it is a <laughs> okay. homemade recipe that someone has offered to you. And yeah, very much what Adam said. It's a communal drink. The the consumption <laughs> is part of community building and friendship forming and celebrating oh, family. Yeah, it's great. People carry it around like yeah. you see a cell phone. Like, like <laughs> people holding a cell phone, they'll just hold a cup oh, with yeah. a straw on it. And they'll just be having a conversation while they're holding it. And it's like... <laughs> It what is the um, what is the taste of it? You, I mean, I have no idea what type of drink it is or the it's mixture. It's like a, like a tea, It's right? a little bit like a tea. And okay. again, we didn't get to try the family version. Yeah. So yeah. the tourist version, yeah, it's more like a tea than anything else. Mm -hmm. That said, every, every type is different. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone's okay. going to make it or brew it a little bit different. Yeah. And so I think... The reason that's probably so interesting is because whoever offers you some, they're offering you almost a piece of their family history yeah, in absolutely. a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So no matter when you try it, unless you it's connection. yeah, unless it's your family recipe, it's going to taste different every time. Brilliant. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I want to get into that sort of culture of meeting yeah. people. Oh, it's it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Wonderful. And the other thing I know about Uruguay is uh, I love football, i.e. soccer, and the yeah. first, first World Cup was <laughs> like there. So. Yeah. That's um, right. And they were the first world, world champions, I think, world cup champions. So that's um, it. Yeah. We've got a bit of a rivalry with Brazil, I think. Um, yes. Yes. We um, saw a lot of people uh, just playing for fun in some of the parks. Yeah. So, huge yes. part of the culture. Absolutely. And for a small country, they've got some brilliant footballers like Louis um, yes. Suarez and stuff. So, yes. you know, they're, they're yes. known for that. Yes. They're absolutely well known. And unfortunately, I saw Uruguay beat England at the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. <laughs> oh, no. And England, England fans travel everywhere. That is a big following. Yeah. And then in Sao Paulo, where the game was, I was sat in the middle. And this pocket on the right, just of uh, Uruguay fans were there. Very nice people. Didn't really meet many, but I think, yeah, they weren't aggressive or anything like that. And there's one guy supporting Scotland. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if you know much about England and Scotland, it's a bit of a rivalry. Mm. Um, oh, yes. This one yes, Scotland guy was probably causing the most anger among the England fans. Like, why are you there? And the Uruguay fans, but <laughs> oh, he was no. just celebrating that we're losing. So, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad day. Um, <laughs> let's not talk about that. So, a bit further west from there, Ecuador and Colombia. So, I done a podcast episode last week of my top five favorite. Uh, sort yeah, of this places yeah. to go next that we've not been to yeah. and ecuador and colombia so there's a few reasons why i want to go there one i want to learn spanish yes two mm -hmm. i want to drink coffee oh yes uh, pretty much basically it absolutely and oh. three probably eat empanadas oh, yeah. all of really. them <laughs> yeah all yes. of them all so, the empanadas what is your recollections of uh, let's start with ecuador um galapagos islands of course did you go there 
we actually didn't no. believe right. it or not. Okay. That's going to be a separate that's trip. bucket list for sure. Yeah. That's kind of like a, you got to really set some time aside yeah. to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, we were there. Um, it wasn't too long of a trip, but we covered a lot of ground. We did a, a, a couple tours. Um, obviously the equator is there because yes. Ecuador yeah. and uh, there's, uh, was it three locations yes. that are just incredible. <laughs> you can actually go stand on the equator. Oh, and wow. they'll give you like a compass and you can put the compass on it and <laughs> it, like it balance an egg on a nail, like a, the top of a nail. And wow. um, yeah, That's so there's, there's some things like that. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that was a little odd was the, um, the tours didn't actually take us to all the places that they said they were, <laughs> that was a bit of a bummer. Like the, right. the, 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 um, the, uh, the equator one didn't take us to the uh, was it the equator monument or the monument to the equator whatever the, the big giant statue famous. now granted that's not actually on the equator uh, um okay but still it looks really cool it would have been good for a photo and it was actually <laughs> advertised it was but they just decided to skip that for us so that was interesting they did and they then did. there was another tour which was like um we saw some waterfalls and some mm-hmm. other uh, the markets and things like that great markets mm-hmm. local markets um and uh, that was supposed to take us to, I think it's called the uh, Kila Toa. It's like a crater lake inside a mountain. It's just beautiful. You might see photos of it online if you okay. look for like the uh, Ecuador mountain lake. Yeah. And they just, they were like, was it like the weather or something that day they said was off? That's what they told us. And they just took <laughs> us to some other lake and we went out on a, like a little boat on some just random lake. And it was beautiful views and everybody was very nice, but it was like, this wasn't what was advertised. So uh, <laughs> right. that's a bit of a bummer, but, um, but like, I mean, downtown Quito, like, like old town yeah. Quito was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were there were fantastic. They were all very friendly. Yeah. Um, they have a, the, what the potato soup there was yes. phenomenal. Uh, soup but, is unreal uh, in South America. Oh, oh, especially it was like a potato cheese. Basically it's all with a, with avocado. There was a slice of avocado and it in was it. Like, oh, gosh. oh, it was um, incredible. <laughs> so that was it, was, it was a great trip, but we definitely would have preferred to uh, see the places that they told us they were going to take us to. Yeah, that would have been yes. nice. <laughs> now that said, I think Quito is a great place if you're looking to base yourself somewhere in mm-hmm. Ecuador. Yeah. And part of it is because you have access to all of the modern conveniences that you'd like. And Quito itself is a beautiful city, but yeah. it's also so well connected to other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking, you know, especially... You mentioned wanting to learn Spanish. You'd find yeah. great schools to be able to learn. And oh, then, yeah. of course, great connections to outside of the city where you could go and really immerse yourself on yes. weekends or, or for longer periods of time. So it ends up being kind of a lovely spot to consider if you're thinking about that sort of an experience. It's mm-hmm. just a great, great city. I think we agree, yeah, in South America that it'd be somewhere for months. The very oh, least, yeah. just to kind of like settle down for a bit, but also just get into the culture. Um, yes, no idea where that'll be. Um, yeah. I've been South America bits places, Emma hasn't, so it's kind of gonna be up for yep. it's gonna be up for discussion, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, but now yeah, you, mentioned, and you really can't go wrong, you can't go wrong with Ecuador or Colombia because mm-hmm. I think they speak probably the better Spanish. Yeah, you, you've also thrown Uruguay into the mix now. I'm like, oh, could we go there? <laughs> oh, I know, I know <laughs> um, the choices. <laughs> yeah. But did you go to Colombia though? Because Colombia is kind of more of a fascination for me. Yeah, yeah. We went to uh, was it? We saw Montserrat, which is like an incredible. We're in Bogota. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We were. We weren't there for long. Uh, We made the most of kind of an extended layover on our way back from Easter Island. 
Uh, oh, so we had nice. been in Easter yeah. Island in Santiago, and then we had the chance to spend a little extra time in Bogota. So I will tell you this, we loved the experience of touring the city. I, what we didn't love was the fact that we had hired a tour to take us around. It was a driver and a guide. And so the guide was great and introduced nice us guy. to- It was really good. Just, yeah, some, some really interesting kind of off the beaten path places mm -hmm. and gave us all the time we wanted. And when we got back to our hotel room, we realized our driver had stolen our headphones. Oh, no. So we'd been traveling. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had, you know, some nice higher end headphones for the yeah. plane. And uh, yeah, while we were gone, he took a few moments to just, you know, kind of go through our stuff. Now, it was it was a fill-in driver. So they had some issue with <laughs> right. the usual driver was out that day. And yeah. we were at the airport. He picked us up at the airport. And again, the, the guide was great, but he was on the phone trying to figure out who can I get to fill in for this driver. Mm. And I guess he just got one of his buddies or <laughs> someone an employee of the company. And the guy was nice to us in the in the, the tour and driving yeah. around. But yeah, it was um, kind of surprising when we get back, we looked in you know the case for headphones and it's empty. No. Nothing worse is that. Nothing nothing worse. Worse. Yeah. I will say that Adam's headphones had died <laughs> they were not <laughs> they, they were not is, working very well and <laughs> mine he he didn't take the cord so i they weren't at oh. least immediately usable so at least there was that but i we have so few experiences where we've had anything that comes close to a negative experience yeah. <laughs> that this became such a funny story yeah. for us because i mean of all the things we're having this amazing time we went to montserrat it had been raining there were these amazing rainbows oh, behind beautiful. it. I mean, picturesque. We, we had could some not incredible coffee as well. Oh, we, didn't, we didn't do a coffee yeah. tour, so we don't we don't let it kind of, uh, you know, like a negative reflection oh, no. on the country yeah, by any means. It's a funny story now. But, um, yeah, I would love <laughs> to go back and do more coffee tourism. I've always wanted to go to like a coffee farm or plantation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see how that's all made and experience more of that as well. So we would like to go back at some point. But. Yes. Um, do you know what? I don't mind um, bad stories because I don't want to yeah. give this uh, sugar-coated experience that traveling is all like happy, <laughs> happy, doy, fun times, which it, sure. a lot of it is. A lot, and a lot of it is, but a lot sometimes, of it's perspective too. Yeah, it's perspective and some things are going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah um, it's, it is making the best of a bad situation, if anything And on the happens. grand scheme of things, it's not like it was our wallet or something like that. Well, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. always carry the important stuff, yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> day pack, backpacks. Always, <laughs> <helpful>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Colombia is, I think I've got a bit of a, not, it's not obsession, but it's just been on a list for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, the coffee, again, is phenomenal. Yeah, I'm it's a, just coffee fiend so <laughs> going places and trying to, the different styles and i want to go to guatemala and do one of those as well they're supposed mm -hmm. to be a really yes got mine and coffee yeah, it's yeah. one of the best like, i'm a bit of a coffee fiend as well so maybe we'll, we'll come to that later oh yeah uh, oh, with yeah. coffee um because i'd love to get your experience on coffee but yeah so that's that's great to hear about ecuador and colombia i'm gonna go to somewhere completely different now in jordan oh. um, because petra obviously is, is is on the list um Again, I don't think I've had many people who travel to the Middle East on my yep. podcast. Yep. Um, you mentioned Israel as well, which is great. So yeah. Jordan, um, apart from Petra, did you see anything else? Because Petra is kind of known. We know what Petra is. UNESCO World Heritage Site, you're going to see it. But did you see anything else other than Petra? We ended up doing a little bit of a drive through the country. So it was actually part of a three country trip. 
okay. that we booked. Yeah. We went again through a third party and really that was more for logistics than it was for anything right. else. Kind of keeping with our theme of not having a lot of vacation time, sure. we need to make sure that things are moving along at the right pace yes. for us. And so, so all the border crossings that were required. On that that was a concern for yeah. us. Yeah, the border crossings, making sure that we had the right flights, the right bus tours, the mm -hmm. right drivers. And so we were in Jordan for, I guess it was three days or so. And a lot of yeah. it was actually driving through the country. I would love to say that that was just, a, you know, kind of a, a here to there sort of thing. We We had to do it. I think the driving through Jordan was probably oh, one yeah. of my favorite parts of that trip. Yeah, okay. it was great. We started at Petra and mm -hmm. then yeah. our flight out was in, um, uh, where, where, where was the flight out? Amman. Yeah. And oh, yes. um, yeah, mm -hmm. so we, we basically drove along the edge of like the Dead Sea mm -hmm. on, the, on the Jordan side. Nice. And um, we went to Mount Nebo as well, which is like a, a holy site as well. Yeah. So that, okay. was, that was a treat to see that as well. It was well. beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, so a lot of it was sort of driving and getting a chance to see a landscape and a geography mm -hmm. that was so foreign to us. And we had a driver who let us stop and take photos oh, and things great. like that. I think what I remember most about Jordan is that it was everything that was away from the beaten path yes. that was the most memorable. Yeah, like Wadi Rum, we yeah. drove through that. Wadi Rum was beautiful. Wadi That's Rum. Where, like they filmed Star Wars and a bunch of other movies. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Well. Yeah, I think it's in a way, I think it's become more popular in the last couple yeah. of years, but it's still mm -hmm. a bit underrated in my mind. Now, I don't say that to take anything away from Petra, course. which is always going to be worthwhile. It is a very touristy place to visit. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes there. There are just loads and loads of travelers wandering through. But at the same time, we and it, maybe it's part of it is that we had a wonderful guide. Yeah. And so he walked in with us. And of course, he's explaining a lot of the history and what we're mm -hmm. seeing. And there's a point where he he paused us and he said, you stand here and I want you to close your eyes. And then I want you to take a few steps forward and you'll open your eyes when I tell you to. And so we did. We closed our eyes and we took a few steps forward. And when we opened them, it was the first time we could see Petra kind of peeking out from behind a rock. And he said, I wanted this to be your first memory of mm -hmm. what it was like to be here because it's, you know, in this moment, it goes from you see nothing to you see this incredible, you know, just almost like a community opening up in front of you. Yeah. And I'm so glad he did that for us. I think it was such a gift because it completely changed the rest of our experience. It's just, it, it's like it unveiled itself to us yeah. in that moment. Those little things that he he asked you to do there, yeah. You can't, you can't even tell someone to go and get that done because this is that guy. This obviously that day, yes. Has decided, or he maybe do it like routinely mm -hmm. with his tours, but he's he's like pretty unique in that sense that, and they should get that one person that you you had, yeah. A different tour guide probably just take you straight in, yeah. Totally. Whereas you got day. that unique yeah, experience off very nicely, yeah. And uh, speaking of coffee, the coffee in Jordan was absolutely <laughs> amazing. <laughs> A, really like, tur turkish so coffee good. oh turkish coffee right yeah, yeah so we had we had some of that and it was just phenomenal yeah so. <laughs> what yeah, was part of your tour the three countries you so you mentioned egypt egypt was the last one so we did uh israel jordan and then egypt and did you go down the nile towards uh i guess that would be towards my luxor luxor that's right yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, we did a little bit more plane travel just because of the timing. Yeah. 
we did have a chance though to spend a good amount of time following the Nile. Yeah. Uh, one of the the fun things, uh, believe it or not, and again, this kind of speaks to, I guess, the that terrible American work. I'm not going <laughs> to call it a work ethic, just a difficulty separating. I actually had a call that I really didn't want to miss. And of course, one of my favorite things about working for myself is that if I'd like to be working, I can be working, yeah. even if I'm on vacation. Sometimes when you love what you do, it, it doesn't feel like work anymore. And so I had this call, the time zones worked out and I had a chance to spend an hour on the phone as I watched the sunset over the Nile. And I thought, this is why <laughs> yeah. you work hard because you so get the opportunity. Setting. Yeah, it yes. was amazing, amazing. Yeah, totally agree with you. Absolutely, 100%. Yes. Um, if you can work for yourself to give you that flexibility to get those experiences, 100%, it's the way it forward. Is. Yeah. Absolutely anyway, right. Okay, so next, um, the Balkans. And the reason I'm coming uh. here is you guys obviously <laughs> want to talk about it, which is great because I had a Balkans trip cancelled because of COVID. So no. me and a few friends were going to fly into uh, Slovenia oh. um, and get a car and do like yeah. Lake Bled and then drive down the Adriatic coast. Yeah. Um, no real plan, but see Montenegro, Croatia, Slovenia, mm -hmm. Albania, all down that coast unfortunately cancelled and we've not really been able to kind of rekindle that yet so no. your experiences of the Balkans because again in mm -hmm. Europe I get people come on they talk about Spain Italy which are great places Scotland Ireland but no one really talks about the Balkans that much oh, we, um, we, we absolutely love the yeah Balkans. tell me your time in Balkans like what's what's your favorite part um you've got a funny story about hiking in Kotor in Montenegro oh yeah I mean we <laughs> we've been to uh Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, yeah. You're in Bulgaria and uh, North Macedonia and Romania. Um, yeah. Was that 2019? Yeah. Um, okay. Slovenia. We've been to almost almost all of them. I think we still have Albania to get to. We do. But um and but um yeah, it was it was incredible. Uh, Kotor in Montenegro is one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been on the planet. And okay, it's uh we drove there from actually we took a, a day tour from Bosnia. And they took us over and uh, handled the border crossing and all that. And it was great. And mm -hmm. they gave us about, what, three or four hours to kind of explore the city. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, you know, you walk around the, the old town, but then there's also this, um, I think they're called the fortifications of KOTOR. And it's like this wall up along a mountain. Yeah. And there's this trail. You can kind of follow the follow the wall up the trail. But um, when we were there, it was uh, the stone was very <laughs> slippery. It was warm. And I did not have hiking shoes. I think I was wearing okay. like Adidas, like tennis shoes or something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I totally made it up about, I made it halfway because we were in the time crunch. I had to turn around and um, totally just like slipped and like sliced my finger. And like the thing was just like cut pretty bad. <laughs> and I didn't care because I'm looking at like this view. I'm like, this is just beautiful. And uh, I get back down and, you know, I had like a, a tissue paper or something just kind of, you know, Clean it up, whatever, but still have that scar. It like was apparently deep enough that it left like a pretty bad scar. So, oh god! Um, but uh, yeah, I can look at that and kind of remember that. But it was just incredible view, and the, the hike was great. A um, little uneven footing, the rocks. Yeah. Um, but if you do have time to do the the full hike up to the top, that's what I would love to go back and do that someday because we didn't have yeah. time because I had to get back to the to the, to the van. But yeah, um, just just a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, my uh, my friend Michelle who used to live here and work with me in Canada. She's now back in Australia where she's from. She said Kotor was one of her favorite places. And she's been to yeah. quite a few countries like you guys. And she said that's probably Montenegro is 
is up there for her. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was phenomenal. It was, it, was, it was really good. Yeah, we loved it. Yeah. And you, Stephanie, you went to Slovenia? Yeah. We both did. Yeah. Um, and this is this is another story about how sometimes it looks like things may not be going your way, but give it a minute. Things might turn around. <laughs> okay. So we really only had a day, believe it yeah. or not. We were in Venice and we really wanted to get to Lake Bled in mm-hmm. Slovenia. And of course, Lake Bled is a, it's a destination in itself. I know there are plenty of other spots in Slovenia that are said to be even more beautiful, but we really wanted to get there. Mm-hmm. We ended up booking a shared car service that would take us to Lake Bled. And I thought to save a little bit of money, what we would do, they offered you a few options. One is a guaranteed departure time at a certain, a certain hour. Yeah. The other was for a decent amount of savings they would pick you up within a range of times. We thought, okay, let's let's just save some money. We'll do the range of times. Mm-hmm. We ended up being picked up for our drive to Lake Bled at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> really, yeah. more like two o'clock at night. I was <laughs> yeah. not. I was not, not so really excited. Morning, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the one o'clock a.m. wake up call really didn't yeah, give sucks. us enough time to sleep. <laughs> yeah. and we didn't sleep in the car, and I remember we got to Lake Bled. We sort of are unceremoniously dropped off, you know, a few blocks away from the lake itself at six yeah. in the morning. And I'm thinking, I have nothing to do here. I mean, <laughs> we'll get a few photos of the lake. We we really thought that's all we do. And then we were ready to go to Ljubljana where we were doing yeah. a food tour. And I thought, I don't know how we're going to fill all of this time. We got down to the, the lake itself just as the sun was coming up. It was and perfect timing. This pair of swans starts to float past as the sun continues to rise. We've got the reflection Mm. of this church that's on an island in the middle of the lake and the castle up above. And it's so still and peaceful. And we were the only people there for probably three hours. Oh, wow. And we walked the entire length of just the whole perimeter of the Mm. lake, the entire weather. Yeah, just had a chance to really not just soak it in, but do so on our own. And I remember thinking at the end, I wish we had more time here. I can't believe I thought that just a few hours would be acceptable. (laughs) Even with a few hours more, it was so much better. But it was sort of a reminder that sometimes the universe will send you little gifts like that. (laughs) You know, a a journey that starts at two in the morning, but you get sunrise over Lake Bled. So just it's a good it was amazing. <laughs> Slovenia is a wonderful country. And it's another one where the people are great. The food is great. It's beautiful. The history is there. I mean, a wonderful destination for anyone looking for, I, honestly, a, a part of Europe that I don't know is explored as it's often not. or talked about. as yeah. often. Not in the US. Yeah. 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 Just well worth it. I think even for, yeah, us in the UK, I think Slovenia it's just not really that well known. Maybe Slovakia is more known. Yes. Because of Bratislava. But um, yes. Slovenia, for me, I just imagined lakes, trees, blue sky, like all this idyllic countryside. That's kind of what I've got in my mind. And it is. Um, that's yeah. that's what it is, it is. Yeah. Okay. It's a wonderful spot for a vacation. And yeah. again, you will eat well, plenty of great wine and beer. You will make lots of new friends. Great at beer. It's a wonderful holiday destination, but at the same time, if you were thinking of basing yourself somewhere new for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, that would be very high on my list as mm-hmm. well. Just I think go skiing there, wonderful. can't you? 
Go skiing? Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think skiing might be known for that as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, winter is a very popular time to go. And mm-hmm. again, we'd, we'd actually like to go back and explore it during the winter oh, as sure. well. Yeah. Cool. I'm adding that to the list. <laughs> Do it. Do um, it. Talk about 2 a.m. calls, though. I mean, yeah. we had we had one because we climbed Mount Kinabalu in, in Borneo. Yeah. The first day up was pretty tough. And the base camp was like 3,300 meters um, but we were told the next bit wasn't too bad apart from the danger zone, mm. which I've talked about in previous episodes. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the alarm call was one thirty, and you think you never, even though you're tired from the first day, you can't really get to sleep because all you're yeah. thinking about is I can't miss this alarm call. If you're late, you can't go up anyway. Yeah. And the right. reason is to get that sunrise, right? So anyway, yeah. we get up one thirty. we try and eat some baked beans for breakfast. Oh. Just weren't really feeling it. We got past the danger zone, we, which we didn't know what it looked like because it's dark, but when we came back down, we kind of realized why it was called that. And we oh. get right to the top and it's pure cloud. I'm like, oh, what a place. <laughs> no. we got to the summit, we got the photo. Emma was looking ill, so we got straight back down almost. But then as we came back down, the clouds started to clear and then we got the view. Ah, there you the go. top of the mountain-ish, like near the top of like Borneo itself. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, wow. that's why we got up early to, to have a look. So like you say, and initially, uh, <laughs> that was worth yes. it, but then give it, 20 minutes like ah okay now it's clear now now I see why yes (laughs) it's so important absolutely it's amazing what 20 minutes can do (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um that danger zone just for people who have probably not heard it is that's an area where you're told not to overtake and not to stop there are two rules and you have a rope and you pull yourself up the rock and at the time you're thinking well I don't know what's either side I just follow everyone else and we're already knackered at this point because the trek was quite tough back down in daylight and you see that either side it's a pure drop from the from the mountain oh. <laughs> like we just climbed that with no like health and safety ropes we just oh, pulled yeah. ourselves up it's better um, not to know better not to know in the dark <laughs> you just had to keep straight up straight up to the next bit oh, wow. where it kind of flattened out but yeah back down and kind of like gingerly sort of back down the rope make sure we got that down okay but oh, yeah, sure. amazing trek fancy a trek Oh, that that's now on our list. Borneo <laughs> oh, is incredible if you've got some time. If you can yeah, that's a, that's a goal for sure. Um, before we get to your blog and your podcast, um, yeah. you guys have obviously gone to a lot of US states. So have you gone to all the 50 states? Yes, we have. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. All 50. Right. So some multiple times. Actually. So yeah, some several times. <laughs> I want a top three based on maybe like hidden gems so if you had to give three states where maybe it's not like they, they, they could be any states you want mm. but if you're to say like that's one state you probably should go because it's got that something hidden where it's worth going to what mm. three states would you guys recommend i mean it kind of depends on what you're looking for right so if you Let's say a road trip if you're driving through like like yeah. we are next year yeah yeah i mean if you like cities more uh, or if you like kind of uh uh quieter areas of the country um there's there's a wide range there um as far as like the diversity of things to see i would say mm-hmm. um i'm i'm a big fan obviously i'm a little biased uh oregon where i grew up <laughs> has incredible diversity yeah. as far as beaches mountains deserts valleys the columbia gorge um we uh we love new mexico the southwest ah, is new mexico. absolutely beautiful arizona there's that four corners region with Utah and um, just 
incredible national parks down there yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great place. We always recommend that for road trips. Yep, we do. You know, it's speaking of road trips, this is going to be sort of well off the beaten path, I think. Okay. This summer, we went through the Dakotas. And North so and South Dakota. North and South Dakota. Yeah. South Dakota, I think, is very popular because of Mount Rushmore, and it's yeah. worth it. We spent more time in North Dakota. And okay. believe it or not, it is now one of our favorite states to yeah. visit. One of the spots is uh, Teddy Roosevelt National Park. Okay. which is in the western part of North of uh, North Dakota. Like right on the Montana border. Yeah, right on the border. And right. what I loved about it, I guess there were sort of three things that I loved. Mm-hmm. One is the wildlife. We saw quite a bit of wildlife while we were there. And of course, of bison. They've, they've got oh. bison. I believe they do have bears. We didn't see bears <laughs> while we were there, but they do have them. I know a lot of people look for them. Yeah. Um, just they had prairie dogs. I mean, they had everything you could think of. So the wildlife watching was really nice. But what I really liked then was the difference between sort of the lush vegetation of mm-hmm. the greenery of the park overlooking the Badlands, which is, of course, a very different, much more rocky sort of landscape. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see that kind of thing all that often. And you could almost close your eyes and picture what it would have looked like, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, <laughs> when Native Americans were yeah. living, you know, much more freely in that part of the country, what it would have looked like for them to call that home to hunt. I mean, just really brings a different part of history to life in a way mm-hmm. that I don't think even people who live in the U.S. necessarily think about. When you think of the Dakotas, for example, you're going to think about South Dakota and why yeah. keep going north. We yeah. learned this summer going north is really well worth it. So I think if you're if you're thinking off the beaten path by quite a bit, it's well worth a stop. And they have a lot of good roadside attractions. They do. So it's actually kind of a fun, like they have like the Enchanted Highway. Yeah. Um, much of like a like artwork on the side of like the highway. And so that, you know, they 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 have fun with it and there's a lot to see and do there. But um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of options. It's really hard to kind of narrow it down to what three States I think it was. So. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, but you've done well there with the, the good cause. The Southwest is usually what we would go with. Cause you can't go wrong. It's just yeah. beautiful down there. It's incredible. It's wide open spaces. Uh, the scenery is just amazing. Yep. So any of those Southwestern States are probably, that would be my go-to. I think so. I think so. And of course you can't really forget Virginia, which is where we're based out of. (laughs) Virginia is a lot more than just bordering Washington, DC. DC is a wonderful place to visit in itself. There's a lot of history here. Yeah. Yeah. But once you get out of the DC area and you get into what we affectionately refer to as real Virginia, Mm -hmm. it's a different lifestyle and you get a chance to explore more presidential history, for example, more of the older homes and colonial stuff. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a very, it's a different experience than I think a lot of people would expect from Virginia. But again, you have to get off of the main roads. You go away from DC, go away from Interstate 95. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start to experience what it really means to get to know a place like Virginia. The US is full of that sort of thing. If you go to the major cities, you will certainly get a taste of what the US is like. But it's usually hours away from the cities that you get a chance to really know what it's like to live here and to experience the U.S. 
it's different than we're usually portrayed in the media. <laughs> I will say <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a really just full of fun communities with a lot of personality, great food, just, you know, tons and tons of nice communities to get a chance to see. Yeah. And my, my friends in UK are quickly getting Google Maps going, where the, where the hell is North Dakota? Oh, yeah. Um, there's there's so many I states. Mean, and we're like, well, I have no idea where any of them is, apart from maybe Florida and California. We know oh, sure. we know them. Um, oh, yeah. But North Dakota borders Canada, right? So it does. Yeah. I it does. knew that because it borders Montana. So if we were going east from here from Vancouver, we're going to be like parallel to uh, Montana and then North Dakota as we go east. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, if you if you continue along, um, and of course, much, much closer to the UK is Maine, which is pretty close to where I grew up outside. I was then gonna Boston. ask about Massachusetts, um, yeah, where, so, you, where you're from. Yeah, Boston and Massachusetts in general, obviously well worth an experience. Plenty yeah. of history. I can't say enough about the food. I would also recommend going a couple hours north into Maine. Um, Maine, yeah. Coastal Maine is beautiful. Oh, Central Maine is a lot of fun as well. Again, mm -hmm. um, smaller towns and a chance to really get to know people. But spending time on the coast, I mean, in addition to getting a great lobster roll, for example, <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, you know, like Acadia National Park is there. It's a nice, it's a nice place to be able to go and experience a different part of the U.S., it's kind of known as New England, right? Up there? It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Um, you're heading toward Canada again at that point. But okay. I find Maine is a spot where outside of perhaps the very southern point and even Portland, which is a major city, a yeah. lot of people don't know very much about the state. Mm -hmm. And when you leave the main cities and you start to go up, you know, especially into the coastal areas, you're going to find a lot more as far as some of the culture. Um, you know, the lighthouses are beautiful. The beaches are very rocky. We're not talking about sandy beaches or anything up <laughs> yeah. there, but if you want a place where you can go and kind of sit quietly and look out at the ocean and have a really nice meditative moment, Maine is a great state for that kind of thing. They call it vacation land. That's the nickname. Uh, nice. Yeah. And it really is a nice place for a vacation. I think Maine is our first country because we're going to go to East and then drop down through Maine. So Maine good. will be the first state we go into. So oh, I'll good. definitely not miss it. You won't want to. Yeah, it's, um, it's wonderful. Yeah, I can't wait to get down that sort of like whole area and see that You'll because if I'm honest, I don't know much about it. Boston, everyone knows Irish, oh, sure. Irish sure. contingent sure. and the Boston Tea Party. We all know that. Of um, course. <laughs> which is great. Don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, those like states that outside the city people don't really know much about. That's kind of the aim of the trip, really. Yeah. I mean, even going into Western Massachusetts, into the Berkshires. The mountain oh, areas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not mountains like you'd find in the Western part of the US, but we mm. affectionately call them mountains. And <laughs> I, I think they're a, a nice place to go too. Again, it's going to be a little quieter out there. It's going to feel very different than Boston. But one of the things we've always really liked about the US is that there are so many different pockets where mm -hmm. you're going to find very different experiences, but very much the same thing. You're going to find welcoming people. You're going to find interesting places to eat and interesting museums to go to. There's a lot to learn. And, you know, yeah. the U.S., it's a very diverse place as far as what not even each state can offer, but what each community in a state can offer. And yeah. although we are advocates of everyone getting a passport and traveling, mm -hmm. there's a little part of us that understand why people in the U.S. feel like they can get what they need at home. Because 
we do have the beaches and the mountains and, and the we cities. hear that a lot when people you know give an excuse why they're not traveling They'll yeah say, well why do we need to travel we have everything right here well <laughs> you yes and you and can no, i guess but, you can yeah. find absolutely what you're looking for now we don't think that that excuses people from learning about other parts of the world there's mm. no excuse to not go out and have a chance to experience but if you're looking for a beach vacation and you live in the US, yeah, it's very easy to find it. And if you want to ski next vacation, mm -hmm. you don't need the passport, but we've always recommended you get one because I think that it's so important for people to get a chance to travel much more broadly and widely than just at home. Yeah. And this is why I put US in my top five last oh, week good. because um, <laughs> the diverse, like you said, the diverse nature of it. And yeah. people from UK, they won't get annoyed, but oh, USA, it's a bit of a cop out. It's a, it's not the same. Like there's so much different states with different types of people and different things to see. It's oh, yeah. incredible to go there as a trip. It is. Um, it is. We've, we've only been to like maybe six. We've been to Portland, Oregon because we love Oregon. So oh, that is already in sort of up, up the sort of top lists. Um, Good. Uh, Emma's a bit obsessed with Portland. She loves it. <laughs> That's great. But, um, it's a wonderful state. Yeah, like that whole West Coast is just addictive. And then you've got the Hawaii, obviously, if you want your, want your beaches oh, or yeah. Florida. Yeah. Kick around with Hawaii. Or Alaska is beautiful as well. Alaska as well. Beaches. It's just yeah. so many different places. It's almost a bit daunting to go to US because you're never yeah. going to really see it all. But um, yeah, I have no qualms putting US in. It's in my top five. Good. There's too many places I want to go to. <laughs> and I'm... Um, I think my top three states that I want to visit that I've not visited is Texas is number one. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's controversial, but it is. I don't know if it's it is, but... practically a country. More California, but I've kind mm -hmm. of dipped in, um, mm -hmm. but California is up to number two. And I think um, that Northeast corner, I can't really call one state. I'm just going to call it New England because I have to think yes. that whole Northeast corner. That's probably my third one. Yeah. I mean, even um, Rhode Island, would, I, I would mention yeah. to you too, if you're heading through Boston, Rhode Island and Providence, really you're looking at maybe a bit more than an hour away by car. Very mm. easy to get to. Does not feel like Boston at all. Certainly not to me. Providence yeah. is a wonderful city. And if you continue on, especially heading down the coast, I, like I think Newport is just yeah New, Newport well, with yeah. the mansions for oh, example yeah, yeah. it's the smallest state that we've got but at the same time there's a lot to see and do you could easily spend just a day you could easily spend more than that and if you are going to be in New England don't overlook it it is a worthwhile trip even if it's just that one day yeah cool I'll put yeah. it on the list no, oh yeah don't worry. <laughs> good good uh, one last thing on the US because we have to mention it is New York so we had a we had a trip canceled to New York because of COVID yeah um we had an easter long weekend there which we're pretty devastated about and um, we're going to try and get it in next year for easter but we'll see but um have you i guess you guys have been to new york not only have we been we're actually going next week yeah <laughs> oh really oh, yeah i know <laughs> back in a couple of years but yeah uh what's we, on your list we yeah we've so for this one we're going to do top of the rock yeah for sure get yeah. some well. of the views yeah um, um broadway show uh, okay. We're actually going to go and yeah. see Come From Away, okay. uh, which we've we actually, last time we were in London, we had wanted to see it in the West End, but we didn't have a chance yeah. to get mm -hmm. tickets. Okay. So we're finally going to get to see it on Broadway. Yeah. And otherwise, I, we haven't been in a long time. So yeah, it's even just, just kind of flexible. We're just going to, we have a, a rough list mm -hmm. of ideas, but mm -hmm. nothing, we, those are really the main things. So we're just going to kind of, uh, just kind of walk around, explore, you oh, know, walk through Central of, Park. Yeah. 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 Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a fun city. 
yeah it's I've been there once but that was a very long time ago I was there for nine days which is quite long oh yeah um, yeah plenty of I was walking about all over the place but this time last year we we're, we're gonna go see a British band called Supergrass I don't know if you know them probably not Heard that big them. in the US yes okay yeah. they yeah. were doing a couple of shows in New York and Brooklyn and that was the kind of the main kingpin of the trip and we're gonna base it around that but it got cancelled so oh, that's a bit no. of a shame but there you go just one it of those is- things It'll be good when the world is back to normal and yes. we don't have to worry about the cancellations anymore. Yeah, be yeah. Nice. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, I'm going to move on to quickly your podcast. Yeah. Now, Take to the Sky podcast. And <laughs> um, people might be a bit like, oh, what's that about? It's about air disasters, right? It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, what you'd expect from me, probably, but yes, it is. Yeah, I'm, I've, it's on my list to check out. Uh, I, I want to see what you guys talk about and it's kind of get a bit scared. Yeah, it's unrelated to Road and Rabble, just to be, to be clear. This it, is uh, yeah. her, her thing as well. It is actually. Um, it, and it started a friend of mine, Shelly. Uh, we had started, you know, kind of building a friendship and we had known each other more through work than anything mm-hmm. else. Uh, she also works in a similar industry to me. And so uh, upon kind of chatting, we both were big fans of travel. We talked about travel quite a bit. She'd called at one point. Um, she's a, a big fan of true crime. And I listen to a number of oh, yeah. true crime podcasts myself. Yeah. And she said, do you think that an air disaster podcast would work? And I yeah. said, you know, I do. I actually think that people would be interested in that, especially if it were done from the perspective of what we learn, because mm-hmm. plane crashes are scary. And when you learn about how they actually make travel safer, I think that you think about them a little differently. And so she said, you know, I I was thinking of starting one, good to know. And she called me about a week later and she said, is there any chance you'd co-host it with me? And I said, I've already written my first episode. Yes, I'll (laughs) co-host. And so, yeah, so we started Take to the Sky in April of 2020. So just after the pandemic started, we have uh, just about 80 episodes at this point in time, Mm -hmm. all focusing on different air disasters, but not so much the technical part of the air disasters. It's what we learn from them. It's about people, it's about legacies, it's about kind of celebrating the human involvement, those who lose their lives, but also making sure that what we learn from them Mm -hmm. is still front and center to what makes traveling so safe by plane today. Do you, um, okay, I've got quite a few questions on this. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Uh, Let's start with, do you kind of base your next episode or your next plane crash on how do you decide which one's next? We each decide on our own. So Shelly does half the episodes and I do half. We trade off every week. And part of our structure is we do not tell each other the story that we are going to be hearing. So Mm -hmm. when Shelly records her stories, I am reacting to them in real time. Most of them are not stories I know anything about. (laughs) So when you're listening to us and you hear you know, the shocked gasps for air and the, wow, did that actually happen? Those are real reactions from us. Right. We don't like to tell anything about it because we, we're really, we're two friends having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so you don't usually have a story where both of us know a lot about the details. And that gives us a chance to almost be a part of it right along with our listeners. We get to hear it for the first time. We react to it. We have thoughts that you know we want to share in the moment and that's sort of the experience that we create okay yeah um that's great and also do you have 
like a recurring theme of maybe like a country that you see happens in the most like if if you can i don't think you can maybe count the numbers but do you have like a few countries where you go oh that's happened again i hate to say it we we cover a lot in the u.s a lot and part of the reason for that is one of our favorite things to have access to is a good accident report we try (laughs) to make the the episodes as factual as possible so when we have access to an accident report something that a government has released officially we can use that as being a trusted source for an investigation okay so we have done a lot through the u.s because we have our ntsb um, our national transportation safety board they have wonderful, very well-researched and very well-structured reports. Okay. But that said, we've we've had a lot of crashes in South America. And I will tell you too, a lot of the crashes we've covered are airlines that were fairly small. And in many mm-hmm. cases, we're not operating safely. A right. lot of times, these are these are crashes related to issues that were known. And for uh, us, that's always disappointing because yes. we want to see where we're learning something about safety. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of smaller airlines that try to cut corners and we see where that often is what's leading to an accident. Is that just a correlation between money? Like, is it no coincidence that maybe Emirates are, are the top one because they have like the biggest budget and they can have the biggest, the best mechanics and the best engineers? And is that just based on purely of trying to make a profit? You know, in some cases, I think it might be related, but there are others that are either accidents, meaning something breaks on the plane and there's not enough time to recover. The other thing we see more often than not, though, are stories about people. So a pilot is very stressed in the cockpit and makes a Mm -hmm. wrong decision or a bad decision. And what that really leads to are many conversations that my co-host Shelly and I have had about the role of communication in in, uh, travel and especially in air transportation, making sure that if something is wrong, you are in a place where you can call attention to that, that you can diagnose that. For us, I think that that's what we see. So I think money and and some of that really does come into it. You're going to get better training at a bigger airline. Mm. You're going to have more clear policies and procedures that you're going to be able to have access to. But on the other hand, some of it simply is, who's your pilot? Is your pilot Mm focused? Are they well-trained? Are they, I mean, some of these are, I want to call them intangibles almost. And by the way, the good news is the answer for almost every single flight in history has been, yes, your pilot is qualified. They are capable. (laughs) They are focused. So part of our podcast is really helping people to recognize these accidents are few and far between. Air travel is still the safest way to go. Mm -hmm. And Shelly and I both love to travel by plane. So we don't intend to scare people. We actually (laughs) like people to feel like they're more informed so -hmm. that they can have a really enjoyable flight the next time they're on a plane. That's one of the things you guys really try to do to kind of differentiate it too, right? You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like not scare people at all. Like you're actually trying to provide the information yeah there's a, a big human component to learned. it yeah, yeah it's it's not about the technical for us it's really about the people involved and making sure that we are honoring them in a very important way yeah it kind of like resonates with a story that so i've got a friend who's been on my podcast i'm not gonna name him yeah uh, he's got a, he's got a cousin who was a pilot for emirates uh around about 10 years um, but the last few years he was saying to me my friend was like he just wants to get out because he's bored. I'm like, 
uh, do I want a board pilot oh, on my yeah. plane? Yeah. I don't think I do. <laughs> but I'm glad he recognized that and uh, kind of quit Emirates and is now doing something else different. Oh, of course. Um, but he was saying that some of the stories you'd probably hear about pilots, you don't want to know um, yeah, what they get up to before <laughs> and after. Oh, it's, uh, it's true. Flight. Yeah. We've heard uh, certainly some um, of the cockpit voice recorder transcripts, for example, where yeah, the conversations have been a little less than professional and you're not really surprised that the result was an accident. Oh God. So yeah. that, that does happen. But again, it happens infrequently. And there are, you know, for example, there's a sterile cockpit rule for I think every airline where at certain points during a trip, you can only be focused on flying the aircraft. Right. And airlines do tend to be quite strict about that. So yeah, I think for most of us, we should feel very safe when mm -hmm. we are getting on planes. <laughs> if the next time you were scheduled to fly, you should look forward to it and even be excited about mm -hmm. it because you are going to be on an aircraft it's come that's a long safe. Way. Oh, yeah, it's a very, very <laughs> safe industry. That's my takeaway from uh, we've told about 100 stories, including we have a Patreon and uh, we've done some layover episodes where we tell yeah. some, you know, kind of bonus stories. And okay. that's my takeaway. It is a very safe way to travel. Okay, that's great to hear. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of link pilots to like uh, football players. So yeah. I talk to Emma about this all the time. She probably doesn't even care. But when we do a football team and it's a team game, the professionals, I get it. But yeah. sometimes one game, a player is just not going to fancy it. He's just yes. probably think about something else or he's tired yes. or mentally he's not on it. But mm -hmm. he could cause the game to lose because he's part of the team, right? And I think pilots yes. are a bit like, you know, it's, of course, na naturally, one day they wake up, oh, just don't fancy it today. Uh, yes. But that's kind of true. But then because of the responsibility of like 200 people on the plane or whatever it is, it's like, it's a bit scary to think that. But it's mm -hmm. a natural way to think, isn't it? Because oh, it is. you can't sure. be professional on your job all the time. But it's a difference between doing admin on a computer to messing up a document to maybe flying an airplane and just not being focused enough. We've talked difference. about that, but that's also a reason why for commercial aircraft, you'll have at least two pilots. Yeah, that's key. Yeah. If someone is having a bad moment, you've got some redundancy there. You have yes. someone who can step in. You typically have more people than you need. And that's very that's important for us. So especially on those longer flights, but I think it's a really important point. You want to make sure that you are having a great day every time you show up <laughs> to work. The good news is almost every single time that that flight is being operated by a cabin crew and a flight crew who are ready to go. Mm. So yeah it, yeah, it does make it very safe. That's great. I'm going to finish <laughs> on that because I think people need to be reassured. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But I want to finish uh, this podcast on your road unraveled. Um, what made you start blogging apart from the idea that obviously you want people to get out and do their vacation time, but what made you want to write about that? Yeah. So that, I mean, that, that was a big part of it for me um, with the recommendations as well. Um, just kind of like people were uh, coming to visit us and um, wanted to know what is there to do and see, you know, mm -hmm. around you. And then that kind of, um, you know, we started making a list, things like that. And then it went beyond that as well to um, places that we would visit. And then people yep. go, oh, you went there. We want like to know uh, what you enjoyed. What what was what was your favorite part about that location? So that kind of just started growing. And then we were having fun recommending places and mm -hmm. trying to find places that were kind of um, you know not necessarily the obvious tourist sites. 
that was yeah. always kind of a thing for us. We like to kind of a, you know, go places that maybe were off the off the radar a little bit. So um, it just kind of kind of came organically from that, and in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is inspiring people, certainly to make the most of their vacation time, but also to make the most of where they are. Mm-hmm. And you can have a wonderful day in a foreign country, and you can have a wonderful day in your own backyard. And for us, it's been showcasing all of that. You never know what will inspire someone to mm-hmm. take a vacation. And we found inspiration in a lot of places. And so sure. for us, it's been very much a chance for us to tell those stories, help people to see themselves as being able to have a very similar experience, yeah. and then encouraging them, giving them the tools and the motivation even to go out and do it themselves. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things with our website. Um, we don't usually put a lot of photos of ourselves up there. Well, like we've we got the selfie. Usually we try to do a selfie everywhere. <laughs> I, I hate photos of selfies. Yeah. Oh. yeah, so that, but that one was like kind of our, we, we've been doing that before we had the website. We always do, you know, the yeah. selfie photo. Proof we were there. So rather than just have our posts with 50 photos of ourselves, we'll <laughs> just kind of sign it off with the selfie. But the rest of the photos, we try to focus on the location. Like if you look at our Instagram page, we don't, even put a lot of photos of ourselves up there. Yeah. So um, it's just, we try to make it more about the location and the places that we're going to see and, and you know, the, the people that are doing the tours for us. We, we always try to do kind of local tours as opposed to yeah. big giant ones. Um, so we try to make it a little bit more about that um, rather than just about us yeah. um, to kind of make it a little bit more, um, have more meaning. Yeah, I'm on the worst for photos of me because I hate taking photos <laughs> of me in it. I said to Emma, I said, why do you want a picture of Inca? I don't know, Machu Picchu with me in it. You don't want to see yeah. me in that. You want to see you want to see Machu Picchu. Yeah, not me. That's, that's, been our that's, that's basically what we're, what we're thinking as well when, when we're traveling as well. It's like, you know, people don't want to see us in these photos. So we'll, we try to include one just to prove that yes, we're there. Same. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe if there's one or two that, are, that we like beyond that. But um, that was just one of the things we tried to really different, differentiate our, our uh, website with from other, other sites in a way. So yeah, so hopefully people enjoy it. We want people to be able to picture themselves in those locations. Yeah. If they look at a photo yeah. and think, well, I could take that if I were there. Mm. Good. Plan your trip. You should take that photo while you're there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with photos because if I see one, I'm like, where is that? I need to go. Yes. Done. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I, don't, I, don't, I don't go back to like before when I didn't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. to go. So um, have, do you see like a shift in, in mentality since you started to, to now? It's been what, seven or eight years, right? You've been doing this? Oh, it has. Yeah. It's kind of a kind of creeped up, I guess. Yeah. And I think our, our commitment has really kind of remained the same in a way. I think it has become a little even more focused on the providing of information and helping people to picture themselves in those experiences. But I think Mm -hmm. along those lines, we've really started to build out the concept that we're calling the business of vacation, the connecting vacation time to workplace success When we first started back in 2014, I think it was far more focused on just here are the trips we're taking and here's how Mm -hmm. you can take them too. But now there's the other side to that. There is the reminder that you should be taking your vacation time. And if you were to visit a place like Cape Town, or if you were to go Mm. to Borobudur in Indonesia, you might learn something that will make you better at work. And that has been new for us in the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay. And we've actually kind of formulated that into like a workshop that we work yep. with businesses oh, as yeah. well. So um, that, that's been kind of fun to kind of take that, that whole message and show it in a way that, you know, 
works with businesses and how they can apply it to their yeah. to their workplace. To make it inspiring, but also actionable. So do you do that through your website only or do you write for other people? We, for the most part, only write on Road Unraveled. Okay. We have been open to doing guest posts and we have had a few things published um, kind of elsewhere. And yeah, like we, we wrote some stuff for Atlas Obscura that was, that was published up there and we've done you know, occasional, like a, a mini guest post on other travel uh, blogs mm -hmm. and websites like that. But uh, for the most part, it's just pretty much our website. Yeah. Yeah. And we've certainly been, you know, open to exploring partnerships and things like that and have done so. But yeah, a part of creating Road Unravel, it has been that opportunity for us to be, you know, very kind of prescribed in the messaging that we want to share. And that's why the website, I think, has had the success that yeah. it's had. It's you know, I think a lot of our readers feel like they've got to know us mm. over the years and they reached out with questions and they want, you know, our insights on different things. And I think we've been able to do that because we've stayed very focused on building the website and yeah. building it in a way that we, we think, and we're now seeing really resonates with our readers. I think the message is key um, yeah. from what I can tell from, even from podcasts to, to blogs, yes. if you've got a clear and concise message, concise message where people know what they're getting with yeah. your Road Unraveled website or your podcast that you do, the plane crashes, which I've never heard anyone do before. <laughs> I'm like, right. So if I want a plane crash, I'm going there. Absolutely, um, if I want yeah. a, like a Road Unraveled type blog, I'm going to your website. It's pretty cool that you have that clear message. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Branding messaging is important. Yeah. Yes. And just sort of, where can people find you? Like what's all your, of your, your, your website, roadunraveled.com. Mm -hmm. uh, you're on Instagram. We are indeed Road Unraveled. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we're on Twitter is probably the most active for us. That's, that's at Road Unraveled as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, um, and, and same Facebook, Facebook as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they can find you on all those platforms. All the majors. That's yep. right. But your website gets the most traffic. That's what it does. Yeah. yeah. And all the links are on the website for all the, the social Great. networks as well. So. Yeah. You'll find the good content on the website. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love your website. I've been on that a few Thank times. Like, it's it's <laughs> very easy to navigate and i love going to like your country page and like oh you've been there. yeah one of the things yeah. that, that we've really enjoyed is that we have a, a bucket list page on there yes you do yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. actually active we we will we're continually adding places to that <laughs> we'll be seeing something on a, on a movie or on tv and uh we'll be oh what is that that looks amazing so we got to add it to the uh, bucket list page, we update so. in real time <laughs> yeah so that's actually uh, that's been a good resource for us it as well does. that's brilliant um that's great um Unexpectedly, we're going to finish on coffee because you mentioned you love coffee. Oh, yeah. um, we've got coffee and then I'm going to give you some travel quick fire questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are questions that you're not allowed to think about, what comes to mind. Um, so basically your favorite things. So just get your mind going, the typical travel <laughs> questions that you can think All right. of. All right. Um, but coffee first. So um, actually one of the questions is, what's your favorite coffee? Let's do it now. Uh, your favorite coffee, what's like your country's favorite coffees? What do you think is your top uh, three? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me was uh, the, the, the the geisha coffee we had oh, in yeah. Panama City. Panama City. Oh, that was okay. incredible. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, what is that, like the most expensive coffee in the world or something like that? I believe it is. It's grown at altitude. But it almost has like a oh, tea, wow. almost yeah. like a tea flavor to it. It's just okay. incredible. But um, yeah, there, I mean, there's been there's been some you know, some really good coffee that we've had around the world with like Turkish coffee as well. It's always Turkish good. Turkish coffee, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we haven't done a lot of specifically coffee tourism yet. That's something Same. we really want to do. Yeah. So yeah, it's on the list. Kind of like, uh, yeah, just picking and choosing wherever we've been. We've been like, oh, they have great coffee here. But we want to actually do a trip focused on coffee mm -hmm. at some point. So. <laughs> yes, we do. Dream trip. Absolutely. I think we, 
we done the coffee tour for a day in Vietnam when we were there. Oh, so we wow. uh, in the lap. And that is a great coffee region that people don't realize. Yeah, yeah, it 100%. is. Yeah, they have a they have a huge coffee uh, industry there. Yeah. yeah, Indonesia as well. I guess you probably have some Indonesian coffee, but yes, um, in Bali, I think I went on a coffee tour, but that's before I drank coffee, so I didn't really appreciate mm-hmm. it. But yeah, there was there was a when we went to uh, Yogyakarta in uh, Indonesia, there was a kind of coffee yeah. that we are regretting. We knew about it when we went there, but there was like a rainstorm that kept us from going to it, and it's uh, it's called Coffee Joss. Okay, and it's a uh, essentially it's it's a it's a cart, basically, and they make coffee, but then they they take a uh, a lump of a lump of coal, a burning lump of coal, right. and they drop it into the coffee, <laughs> and they swear that it like purifies the coffee or whatever, but it gives it like a really unique flavor. Okay, and um, it's only apparently made there, and um, that's one thing that we missed out on when we were there, but it's high on our list to go and see. That'll be next time. <laughs> yeah. Coffee. Okay. Jobs. My my favorite coffee is Tana coffee, oh. and it's based in Vanuatu. So we went to Vanuatu, oh, and, wow. and they've got the Tana Mountain. So it's called Yasir Yasir Mountain, and it's one of the most easily accessible uh, active volcanoes. So we went and saw the volcano, came back down, got to the main island again, and in Port Vila, the capital, all they have is Tana coffee. It's where it's made. It's where it's every wow. cafe restaurant's got it. And I was obsessed with the stuff. I couldn't stop drinking it. I was like, this is unbelievable, and even now, I still order a ton of coffee from, like, I think it's not very accessible here, so I have to order it in from, I guess, from Vanuatu. Um, sure. Or maybe US might have some stuff, but um, they might. Oh, wow. of coffee is my recommendation. That I just love that stuff. And we went to the Tanner Coffee oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, plantation bit where they make it and stuff. And oh, that's great. Obsessed with that stuff. Yeah. That's now on the list to try. Yeah, T A N N A Tanner Tanner Coffee. Okay, right, enough coffee because I want one. Uh, let's <laughs> do some travel questions. It's travel question time. Uh, these are on the website, but let's go to the first one, which is what's your favorite beach? Um, you both can give different answers um, that you think if you name one beach, bang, what is it? I think for me, the first one that comes to mind is, honestly, I think the entire island of Bermuda, the pink sand Ah. beaches. Yes. Yeah. There was actually, I believe it was, what is it? St. Catherine's Beach, yeah, I think it's, yeah, which was a very hidden gem for us. We were there on a cruise and mm-hmm. had been to the public beaches, the, the crowded ones, you know, just people everywhere. And we wanted to see, uh, Fort, was it Fort Catherine? It was Fort Catherine. Yeah. And when we got there, what we found is that there were no other tourists. But in addition to this beautiful historic fort, there was a completely empty pink sand beach. Wow. And we spent a couple of hours there. It was just perfect. It was the experience that we were looking for, the beautiful waters and the sunshine. And Mm -hmm. again, this historic fort right off to the side, (laughs) but also no people. So we had a chance to really relax and just sort of soak in that experience. I think for me, that's probably a favorite. I'll go with kind of the other end of the spectrum. Uh, the black sand beaches of New Zealand. Mm. Were oh yeah, yeah, we've been there. Yeah, um, we, we used to live there for a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just so, uh, just outside yeah. of Auckland, we 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 went up there for a day, and it was yeah. just mind blowing how beautiful it was. They kind of reminded me of Hawaii a little bit. The black yeah. sand beaches. Yes. Yeah, 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 very much. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh wow, that's great. I didn't expect New Zealand to come up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a tough one. 
favorite city it's not gonna be great you've been so many places oh no favorite city <laughs> oh gosh that is so hard so i'm just gonna go with my my first thought and i think yeah. it's because i miss it quite a bit reykjavik believe oh, it or Iceland. not yeah i miss reykjavik very much i miss the hot dogs and i miss the mm -hmm. city and I miss even everything outside of the city, but I, I've loved Reykjavik from the first time we went. And part of it, I think is the people. I, I've just had wonderful experiences getting to, to know people and to, to meet people there. Yeah, we were there for New Year's. We well, were there for New Year's. Oh yeah. To do the, the bonfires yeah. in yeah, the city yeah. and the fireworks. I have such wonderful memories. I don't have a bad memory in Reykjavik. So that's, that's where I am tonight. Tomorrow would be a different answer. <laughs> Today, today's Reykjavik. Yeah, okay. for me, uh, I'd have to go with probably uh, Sydney. I just, uh, I, I just oh, yeah. absolutely Sydney's, love yeah. Sydney, Australia, yeah. and the, the whole continent of Australia. I mean, just I'm. Yeah, we know you talked about that. Yeah, I will mm. go there at any time. I mean, it's just such a wonderful place. Yeah. Again, I've lived there for a year. Unbelievable place. Oh, it, it it's a secret favorite. Like, we we've been in Canada now, what three approaching three years. Australia wow. beats it by a mile. <laughs> and Canadians are like, oh, you're staying here, like you must live it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, we, it's actually, we actually Canada, we actually. Australia we for uh, for our honeymoon we went down there as well. So we oh did. yeah, good, we good did. I think for Australia. Australia yeah. beats everything though. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. It's, I it's, I think if you want to earn money, beat. lifestyle, oh, coffee's great, brunch is great. Oh, coffee's um, amazing. Sport oh, is great. Yeah, weather is amazing. It's just got yeah. everything. It is. <laughs> it's I I love it there. Um, just to finish on Reykjavik, those hot dogs mm. are amazing. We went to a hot dog stall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thank incredible! You. I yeah. agree. I and they are they're inexpensive. Oh, of course no. I can't pronounce the name of it. Oh my goodness. But I do have a t-shirt yes. you know, with, oh, yeah, yeah. with the little yeah. logo of the, the hot dog and the smile. And he's, he's got arms and legs. I, yeah. I do have a t-shirt. In fact, I wore that yesterday <laughs> and I, I just, I, I loved it. I loved it. And I love the culture of standing in the very long lines to get one. And when you get yeah. there, you order so it with good. everything on it. doesn't matter if you don't think yeah. you'll like Hold something, up. you will. Yep. Mm -hmm. I yep. find Icelandic people like, they're almost like brothers. To people in the UK, like because they're quite they're so close, yeah, uh, to Scotland. Um, I kind of feel like going to Iceland is like going to another country, but the people are kind of like us, yeah, because we're from the east, so we're kind of like uh, in the east of of England. We're kind of Scandinavian. Mm -hmm. The Vikings came over from Norway. Yeah, um, we've done those ancestry things. We got like lots of Scandinavian in us, so I kind of feel like they're kind of our people. Same for me. I my family is also Scandinavian uh, okay. um, from yeah. Norway originally, oh, yeah. and so yeah. I think that's another reason that I always loved Iceland. I just sort of felt a connection. Yeah, connection. Being there, <laughs> so I can relate to that. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, next question. What's been your favorite trek or hike? Oh gosh, that's uh, another one. You you can't say Kotor on this. <laughs> yeah, that was like, I mean. Yeah, I don't know if that was necessarily a hike. Um, I mean, it was definitely yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of work to it, but uh, I, just, I don't know. You know, we've we've done a handful. I mean, I would say some of the day hikes that we did in Peru oh, were yeah. probably I'd probably yeah. put those on my list. And a part of that is really a chance to see the ruins. I mean, just again talking about history and we were such big fans of learning about history mm -hmm. i would say we didn't do you know any real extended hikes but okay. what we did do were a number of day hikes and the opportunity to sort of walk and see ruins in the distance and then you know even hiking I'll, I'll i'll be very you know kind of basic about this and say the hike into machu picchu was i it's hard to top that you know sure. just 
getting a chance to see that for the mm. first time. And again, kind of closing your eyes and thinking about what it must have been like to live there when it was just, that was, that was the city. That was where people yeah, were. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I would probably just say Peru in general as a hiking destination. If you want a multi-day hike, then Inca Trail, from my experience, Inca Trail, is certainly. just incredible. It's, it's, it's ready beaten. It, and, it, you know, it's interesting. I feel like everyone who does it has such wonderful things to say about yeah. it. And I know it's it's kind of the hike. If you're going to go on a, if you're going to Machu Picchu, of course, you're going to try to do some or all of the Inca Trail. But I've heard nothing but good things from people who have done that, who have felt as though it's a great, it's just a great way to spend their time. So yes, yeah. I, I would say Peru, Peru for sure. I think for Peru, Stefano is on Peru that me and my friend done it. It's a four or five day hike, wherever it is. And I've been away from home, it must've been around 18 months at that point. So it's been a bit of a stretch. Yeah. So I went to Australia to work for a bit of time as well. But I came back and me and my friend Lewis just sat there and went, no, nothing's beaten that. Like yeah. the whole group on the travel, on the trek, we all got on really well. Seeing Machu Picchu at sunrise, it yes. was just like, after that oh. was kind of like not really getting it to those sort of heights. No, um, it's, fun. But, um, it's, it's yeah. hard to beat. Hard to beat. Unreal place. Adam, is yeah. yours uh, going to be proof? I'm just trying to think of other options. I mean, that's probably what I would go with as well. It's I mean, hard to top it. That's yeah, why. Really is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that part that's of it is just beautiful for that, that kind of a, that kind of activity. Yeah. Although again, and this is a very, very short hike, but along Crater Lake in Oregon too, I okay. mean, yes, that's yeah. another one. And it, it, it's more of a hike on the way up than it is <laughs> on the way, um, yeah, on, on the, the way rim, down. Yeah, the kind of switchbacks and kind of go zigzag down to the rim. And yeah, that's absolutely worth it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, you'll, you'll do the whole thing and just, I, I don't even know an hour, maybe, I mean, it's a very short process, but Crater Lake is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's a, basically a volcano that erupted and a crater formed and it filled with ice melt. So it wow. is beautiful and it is pure it's and like the deepest lake in i think in north america i think it is the deepest Definitely in north america States. yeah it's just an amazing place but what's special about that hike is probably just the experience of you know actually walking down that rim and kind of you know into it and you see it the entire time yeah. you were i mentioned that because you were the one who introduced it's me so it's crystal clear and it's just oh it's just yeah absolutely beautiful it's a national park as well yeah oh, we're going there it's on the list. Good, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, next question. This is going to be really tough. So I'm giving you three mm. and just try and quick fire them if you can. Uh, not US, but your favorite country. Three, oh, in no order, just bang them out if you want. Favorite country is so hard though. Yeah, yeah it's, I, a, it's a horrible question. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say add Australia to that list. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Portugal, I loved Portugal. Oh, that yeah. was incredible. Um. Japan. Oh yes, Japan oh. for sure. Yeah, we've, we've been yeah. there three times. Yeah. Three times. In yeah, fact, we amazing. we may we, have the same three. We were there for New Year's a couple of years ago as well. That was. Oh wow. Yeah. You want you would add as well Singapore maybe. I would add Singapore to that list for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. And oh gosh, um, Argentina. I'd probably yeah. put on that list as well. There's I know we chatted about it. I want to see still. Yeah, it's it's just <laughs> again a very beautiful, very diverse country. And other than that. I would probably say, I, I feel like I want to say Slovenia, and I don't know if it's the recency bias since we were talking about Lake mm -hmm. Fled, but yeah. I've got that in my head now too. Just a really, a really great place. But I honestly would extend that to say 
anywhere you go in the Balkans, North Macedonia, for, oh, Romania. Yeah, it's really hard to do. No, we're there. way yeah, over three now. Yeah, it's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to feel like we're anybody out. I'll let you off that one. That's fine. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if you've done much partying, but what's been your favorite party place? Gosh. Oh, geez. I mean, uh, I would probably go... Uh, as far as partying, I, I mean, the New Year's party has been pretty, pretty great. Cape Town had a great uh, New Year's party. Cape Town was yeah. wonderful. Uh, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Um, just the crowds. I think the, at the time, didn't they say it was like the largest um, like New Year's event on the continent of Africa or it, something that it, year? It was, and it probably is every year. Yeah, right I don't at, know right how many the base Table Mountain, right in the harbor uh, there. It was just wow. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Live before, music. Uh, I mean, just yeah, it was, and it's a huge outdoor event. I, there were probably fifty thousand people there, maybe yeah, more. There was a lot of entertainment, a lot of things to do. Yeah, um, it was like, yeah, that was that was good. But all the New Year's ones have been fun. Like, yeah, always a fun kind of party event. You know, ringing mm-hmm. the New Year, everybody does a little different, so you get yeah. kind of experience. Plus, you always get a little bit of the the Christmas leftover as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, kind of get yeah. like the, you know, like the Christmas ornaments a little bit. It's like you know, it's a week after Christmas, so uh, you get experience all that as well, which is fun. Oh sure, yeah. Okay. yeah. And I, I would say certainly for, for that kind of a party, you can't probably beat Cape Town. The other one I would say, and I, I'm thinking about this because it was a very different party than expected, was in Bruges for New Year's. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Belgium. We, yeah, yeah. We went for, it was New Year's Eve, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we it, it almost felt as though we were crashing a family party for like <laughs> 20,000 people. There are thousands and thousands of people outside. What was interesting is they had live music, but everyone knew the words to the songs except for us. Yeah. Everyone sang along for an hour, and then you have, you know, Adam and I kind of standing there sort of smiling. And <laughs> yeah, it wasn't in English, by the way. We had no idea what was going on, but it was, it was a really just kind of a, it was fun. I mean, it was the atmosphere. It was how yeah. they were ringing in the new year that made that very special. That's great. Yeah. Belgium. Yeah. I don't think it's got mentioned much on my podcast. Bel- I have Belgium's been there. A great place. Yeah. 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 Bruges is great for, for chocolate. Um, oh, I remember. Yeah. I um, loved it there for chocolate. <laughs> French fries as well. Oh yeah. Well, now we're talking about food. The next yeah. question is, um, the country for its cuisine or food, what's been your favorite, do you think? Oh, another hard one. I mean, we've done a lot of food tours. Uh, Poland had some great food. Oh, yeah. We went there. Um, we really enjoyed that, I think. And ironically, same trip for us, but very different part of the world, Morocco. Oh, Moroccan yeah. food. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, gosh. Was, yeah, we, we did a really wonderful, very local tour about mm. seven days. And it was a lot of eating at homes with people. So yes. uh, family cooked meals and not only the community of that, but also the quality of the food. We had a chance to visit local markets. We had a chance mm-hmm. to help to make some of the meals. I think Moroccan food might have to be at the top for me. That's great. Yeah. Is that tagines and stuff like that? Yeah, yes, oh, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. That, that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Okay. This, this will be a good one. I'm, I'm keen to hear this. Uh, so we're almost getting there. Uh, your favorite landmark that you've seen? Mm, gosh, that's another. Re- oh, see, now I, I feel like I, <laughs> I need to go all the way back oh. to basics and say something like Big Ben because it's hard to forget oh, the ben. first time you oh, see wow. Big Ben. Honestly, <laughs> so the UK was my first international trip when I yeah. was in high school. And I remember that's really all I knew of London when we got yeah. there. And when I first saw it, I feel like that is forever in my mind as being a moment where I thought, wow, it's real. I mean, travel, <laughs> travel actually makes things real. 
Yeah. So I might, I might have to say Big Ben, believe it or not. Yeah, I, I gotta go with the Moai on Easter oh, Island, gosh, the big head statues. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, just mind blowing seeing those. Like you know, I grew up seeing them on TV, you know, mm-hmm. cartoons, TV shows, and to be there in person and just see how huge they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to talk to like the the people that live on Easter Island about you know the history of it and how they were made and transported and uh, that was that was definitely. Uh, that that that'd be the one I would go with for sure. Yeah, they're and two then, iconic answers. Like yeah, and people in the head, like, oh yeah, I know what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and that's that's just it. When you're thinking of landmarks, they're they should be iconic, probably. Yeah. But you know, even the ones where you think, for us, I know a, a lot of people will say the Washington Monument, for example, which is mm. right down the road for us, and of course, very iconic for Washington D.C. And even though we see it all the time, it never gets old. And there are some places like that where, you know, I'm sure, you know, for Big Ben, anybody in London listening who might think, oh, gosh, I mean, Big Ben (laughs) is backyard. I see it all the time. You never really get tired of seeing it in some ways. You know, it's just it's always there. It's reliable. It's just so important to to a place. And I think that's what makes it just so special. Yeah, totally agree with that. Okay, um, my last question is. Uh, in a few words, if people are thinking about going outside their comfort zone in terms of travel, what would be your few sentences of reasons of why you should get out there and not kind of stick to the same type of places that you always go to? Why should you be traveling out to other places? I think the answer that I often will give, it's sort of twofold, but the, the first part is you will learn more about yourself and others in the world when you do leave your comfort zone than you ever will be able to if you don't. There's only so much the internet can teach us. Mm-hmm. And so being able to give yourself that gift can be very important. And I think the extension to that, the but I don't want to or I can't or I'm scared is think about what your comfort zone is and back away a little bit on that first trip. Mm-hmm. Don't push those limits immediately. Push yeah. them just a little bit. That's yeah. that's basically what I would I would kind of double down on that as well. Like yeah. you don't have to go rinse the deep end of the pool right away. Like <laughs> you know, find something that sounds different, and uh, you know, figure out a way to make that comfortable for you. So yeah. you yeah. know, find find a way to kind of tie that into something you're familiar with, kind of bridge the gap there, and then as you get more and more familiar with things, you can kind of go from there and you know get more adventurous. Yeah, completely. Okay. Um, we normally finish on a quote. Do you have a, a life or travel quote that you kind of abide by that you'd like to share? I think we probably both do. Yeah, for me, um, it's one that I saw when actually when we went to Reykjavik. It's kind of a recurring theme here with Iceland. Yeah. We, we love Iceland, but in the uh, I think it's in the customs. It's on a wall. It says, "Better weight than wisdom a traveler cannot carry." Um, and it's from the the, the Havamal. I think is how you say yeah. it. it's like the okay. Icelandic uh, book of. Um, uh i forget i forget what poems it is. and stories yeah, poems and, and oh, stories. Yeah. sagas so, um, sagas yeah that's it that's what we're looking for uh, but that's just that always stuck with me it was, so, it was a great place to put it by the way customs on a wall and i think mm-hmm. it's still there by the way if you go to reykjavik um <laughs> for that when you're when you're waiting in, in line um, but that's just such a great great quote for me that's always been one of my favorites yeah i love that one too i think mine is um it's by uh someone named kevin kelly and the quote is, travel is still the most intense mode of learning. Mm-hmm. And I love that one because I work in talent development. So I, I work with organizations to develop training programs. And I think it, it really speaks to what it means to connect the two. When you travel, 
you will learn almost constantly and you will learn in ways that you would never have imagined. So for me, it's just such a special quote and really just highlights the value and the importance and the role that travel can have for somebody. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the first time I went to really properly travel 2013, I went to Bangkok, first place in Thailand. Bam, smell, noise, yes, different languages, no English. Yeah. Um, taxis trying to rip you off, all this stuff yes. just came in yes. at once. Like, oh my god, mm-hmm. well, after a few days, like, oh, okay, so you learn this, you learn that, you do this, you don't do that. So, um, it could not have been a better education. Um, that, that that's kind of defines the deep end, though. I think, I think, yes. the, only place oh, sure. since, the only place since then I've really got like, wow, was India. I was like, whoa, this is oh, same level. here, <laughs> oh, yes, same here. That. I will never forget my experience in India. And it was for exactly that reason, including when I first got off of the plane and we were in the airport and I happened to look across the terminal and there was a giant hole in the middle of the terminal, like down to the dirt and they had orange cones around it. And I remember thinking, I've never been to an airport where they'd just been digging up the floor yeah. before. And that was the easy part. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot to learn in India. A great trip, by the way, but a lot to learn. Yeah. Oh my god, to learn. I think that's yeah. a whole podcast episode on itself. That could um, be. Um, oh, I might have to get absolutely. some people in for that. But um, do it. Oh gosh, yes. My my quote just to finish on. Uh, I'm obsessed with people doing stuff now and not later. So this quote is, I think, it's from Randy Commissar, mm. who says the most dangerous risk of all. The risk of spending your life not doing what you want on the bet you can buy yourself the freedom to do it later that's oh, a great wow um, because so true who's betting on that you're gonna be alive in 20 years i'm not so um oh sure uh, probably will be but might not be so let's do it now and make sure you want to do what you want to do now yeah, not since, not when you retire day. yeah just, i love that yeah. if, you, if you can make it happen now by all means figure out a way to do it and you know don't don't count on something that might not be there in the future you never yep. know absolutely right yeah, so many people say, uh, I'll, uh, I probably say this quite a lot, I travel when I retire, I'm like, you can't, you can't take that risk. It's not worth the risk because... Look what happened in it, 2020, it all went yeah, away for it all, all went of away. us. Yeah, and I'm you like, never changed. know, you never know when you have that chance. And I think this is true for everything, but certainly travel. I think you're right. When you've got that chance, take it. Yeah, and I feel like I've wasted, I don't know, a year and a half not going places because of COVID, oh, sure. but it's not Absolutely. our fault. It's just the way it has been, right? So No, we've made the best of a bad situation, but that's the thing. Many of yeah. us have spent the last year and a half preparing for what we're going to do when we can. And as yeah. soon as we can, I know a lot of us will be back out on the road together. So yes, yeah, that's yeah. what we're looking forward to. <laughs> it's just that casual, like you can't even casually buy a flight to Canada, which is only down the road, right? No. Oh gosh, absolutely not. Borders that casual of just weekend. Oh, should we nip there for a weekend? Like you can't. That's been taken away for a year and a half. I don't I don't think people realize the effect that has on people who love to travel, which is kind of like guys us, right? So it's been a hard, hard pandemic for us for a lot of reasons. And I think you're right. For those of us who love travel, it has been another layer on top of something that's been very hard to navigate. So yeah, looking forward very much to the day when it is no longer something that we are having to talk about all the time because we are too busy back out on the road traveling (laughs) to do it so (laughs) absolutely um based on that adam stephanie thanks for coming on it's been an absolutely brilliant chat we've loved it thank you i've loved it it's been been wonderful a lot of fun yeah so glad you you sent us a note this has been so much fun yeah i can't wait to get this out um this will be released (laughs) released tomorrow but um 
yeah, I'm really excited to get the, the comeback on this because we covered a lot of stuff and I feel like there's so much more to cover. Oh, um, anytime. So I oh, think yeah, you'll be absolutely. back in for another episode at some point um, in the future. <laughs> Can't wait. Anytime. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah thanks. For, um, stay safe. And then uh, I look forward to reading your website and where you go next and what you do. So uh, I'll be keeping track of you guys for sure. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. And we'll be, uh, we'll be listening to the podcast as well. It's excited to hear the episode. Absolutely. Awesome. Appreciate that. Thanks for coming on. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It podcast today. You can check out my website, jameshammond.org, for all the links to all the platforms for your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. There's a contact form on the homepage for you to get in contact for anything you want me to discuss to do with traveling. Don't forget to check out my Instagram page, James Hammond Travel, where I post daily about my last 10 years of traveling, traveling, and more traveling. Finally, please rate the podcast. I really appreciate it if you can rate it. Leave some comments, and I'd love to read them. Stay safe, happy listening, happy reading, and be inspired.